Welcome, everyone. Welcome, welcome. Okay. Sorry, I'm just adjusting. Okay. Um, how was your last 24 hours? <laughs> Pretty average. Went to work, finished the research for this story, and that was about it. How about you? Um, I broke my toe. What? <laughs> my I- pinky. Okay. That's why it's all red and swollen. Okay. Um, we were watching a movie, like a Christmas movie as a household, and I was like, I'm going to just run real quickly and uh, grab something to drink. Always a bad idea. Never run. <sighs> Unless a murderer is chasing you. So I ran, and I guess I just ran through the doorway to my kitchen, just slightly off, and my foot just went straight into the wall. Mm. My roommate described it as sounding like a brick hitting the wall. So, I mean, I'm not confirmed that it's broken, but I'm pretty sure, and also it's not like I can do anything if it's broken. So. <laughs> Super. Just in time for your vacation. I know. I mean, it, like, it hurts, but, like, I'm okay. Okay. Yep. That's um, good. I had physio. Mm-hmm. I also researched my story, which I woke up, I started researching at, like, noon, and I was like, okay. Or, like, 11.30, and I was like, okay, I've got, like three and a half hours, four hours to like research. And I had some ideas of what my story was going to be, but I was like, oh, they're all going to be really long. Like, I don't want to do any of those. And then I still ended up picking a story that took like four and a half hours to like literally was on the bus here still doing the research. Awesome. So I have a really long story tonight too. So we went from yesterday. That's a nice little short on to Today, today. Not so much. Well, since it's only been 24 hours, we don't really have a lot to talk about. I broke my toe. I mean, I feel like that was... That's pretty momentous in the last 24 hours. Yep. Um, This will be coming out... What day is this coming out? This comes out on the 18th. Mm -hmm. I will be in Edmonton, hopefully Mm -hmm. not freezing my butt off. (laughs) You probably definitely will be. I mean, yes and no. Like, it was, like, negative 12 last time we were there, and it was, I used to, I would walk around like this in my, like, Hogwarts sweater. Whereas, like, here, like, I walked from the bus to your house, which is literally across the fucking street, and I was like, oh my god, it's so cold. In my, like, winter coat. Yeah. So. It's cold. So it's different. But, I mean, like, after we left last year, it got to, like, negative 44, so. Well, hopefully it waits for you again this year. I've also recruited David to come to my house next time and look at the the sockets for internet cords because ours are all phone and we thought they were internet so we were like oh we can plug in our computers so we have our desk some of our desks set up where the plugs are mm-hmm. and then we went to go plug the like um what's the cord called the ethernet yeah the ethernet cord in and they were like oh these are too big <laughs> like the oh. holes aren't big enough or, yeah the holes aren't big enough because i think the phone ones are smaller mm-hmm and he's like, yeah, so I replaced them all here. And I was like, can you come look at my house and see if you can do that, please? Because that would be great. Because we're all on the Wi-Fi right now. Mm-hmm. There's six of us with multiple devices. Yeah, that's a big drain on the Wi-Fi. Yeah. So if we can get some of us on the on the Ethernet, that would be great. I'm sure he can hook you up. Um, yeah. As long as your landlords don't have an issue with that. I doubt it. Nobody has landlines anymore. True. Also, we'll just keep all the things and he, we can just swap <laughs> it back when we move. We're not planning on moving for a while. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm not a big carer about temporary things. I'm like, if we can put it back when we move out, I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which most landlords are kind of of the same mindset, usually. At least we have a property management, so kind of usually with I them. 
honestly, swapping them out for internet plugs is kind of an upgrade. Right? So I don't think they should have a problem, but who knows? Okay. All right. Do you want to get started with your story? Hell yes. Okay. Okay. I feel like this is going to be a two-hour podcast. Probably. Sorry, guys. Okay. They're all like two-hour podcasts. Last week's was an exception. (laughs) So, um... I didn't make it quite in time for the anniversary, but I'm going to be talking about the Halifax explosion of 1917. There was an explosion in Halifax. It was a very big explosion in Halifax. (laughs) To this day, it's still one of the largest man-made explosions, with the exception of, like, nuclear bombs. What's a non-man-made explosion? I guess, like, volcanoes and shit. Oh, yep, that makes sense. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, so wait, what year did this happen? 1917. Oh, so this was a while ago. Yes, during World War One. Okay, was it part of World War One? Like, is it, is it because of World War One? Yes. Oh, okay. Um, so I realize you're literally going to get into all of it. <laughs> That's the whole point of this. <laughs> I'll stop asking stupid questions. You can just go talk now. Okay, so Halifax was a big port city uh, during the wars because it was... Uh, the North American base for the British Navy. Makes so, sense. So they, there was a lot of traffic coming in and out, uh, both like naval ships as well as um, like merchant ships and yeah, just lots of stuff. So the explosion involved two cities that sit on either Wait, side. Wait, hold up, what? Yeah. Two cities? Two cities. They sit on either side of like this like bay. So it affected both of them. Okay. <laughs> this is expl- holy shit. It was really big. Wait, how big was this bay? Was it like? Um, I mean, not as big as the Hudson Bay, but like. No, I mean, I didn't look up how wide it was. I don't think it's like crazy wide. Like, larger than going across the Fraser River. Okay, now I want to Google it. <laughs> Okay, so it's kind of hard to tell on this map. It doesn't actually say, I mean, they're that far apart. But which cities were it? So Halifax and Dartmouth, these two. Okay, so yeah, like the Fraser River probably. Yeah, probably. Okay. Okay, so a decent distance away, but like not, like you could probably see the next town. Yeah, you could definitely see the next town. Okay. For sure. Um, okay, so in 1917, when this happened, the population of both cities was approximately 60 to 65,000 people. That's pretty big for back then. It's pretty big, yeah. Canada was, like, pretty new back then, wasn't it? Mm, Yeah, well, we were, um, like, officially founded in 1867, so it was, like, 40 years later. 50 or 50 years later. But to be already up to, like, 60,000 people. I mean, I guess that's the main port of entry back then, but, like... So, like, it had grown because of this. Like, they'd had a bit of a, like, downturn because they were, again, they were a big port during, like, the American Revolutionary War, the Napoleonic War, and um, the War of 1812. And then they'd kind of had a bit of a downturn when the Navy left, and then they came back during World War One. Mm. So, Makes yeah. Sense. So, approximately sixty to 65,000 people, and there was a growing naval, flute, naval fleet, including patrol ships, tugboats, and minesweepers. Um, hospital ships brought wounded to Halifax, so they built a new military hospital. Dang. And the threat of German U-boats led to the construction of anti-submarine nets at Bedford Basin, which is on the northwest end of the harbor, where merchant ships would gather until the convoy they were part of departed. 
So wait, it was just like these big old nets in the water? Yeah, like as far as I can tell, I assume they were like metal and I don't know, maybe they had explosives on them or something. That cannot but, like, be good for the sea life in the water. No, I'm sure that they weren't. But people didn't really care so much about that back then. And then all all neutral ships had to stop at... Uh, all neutral ships bound for ports in North America had to uh, report to Halifax for inspection as well. Mm, that's a busy gonna... port. So, December 1917. Okay. The Norwegian ship, the SS... I'm going to pronounce it Emo. It's spelled I-M-O. I don't know if it's Emo or I-M-O. I'm going to say Emo. Um, so they had sailed from the Netherlands and were en route to New York to take on relief supplies for Belgium. Okay. They arrived in Halifax on December 3rd, 1917 for inspection and spent two days in the Bedford Basin while they waited for refueling supplies. Mm-hmm. They were given clearance to leave on December 5th, but they were delayed because their fuel didn't arrive until late afternoon. And they didn't complete loading the fuel until after the anti-submarine nets had gone up for the night. So they couldn't, excuse me, leave until the next morning. Okay. Um, a, on the same day, a French cargo ship, the SS Mont Blanc, arrived from New York late on December 5th under the command of Emile Medec. And they were fully loaded with explosives and highly flammable fluids, benzoyl, and gun cotton. I'm assuming that was for the war effort. Yeah. Also, I like that his name is Deck, and he runs a ship. Le Medec. Oh. That's fine. It's kind of like my deck. I know, and he runs yeah. a ship. And he runs a ship. It's great. So, um, they were supposed to be part of a convoy gathering in the Bedford Basin, set to depart for Europe, but they couldn't enter the harbor before the nets were raised. So, Emo is trapped inside the bay, and the ship is trapped outside the bay. Okay. So, um, before the war, ships carrying these kind of dangerous explosives weren't actually allowed into the harbor, but with the threat of the German U-boats, um, they had relaxed their regulations. So... Mm, that doesn't really make sense, but okay. Well, I guess it's so that ships wouldn't be trapped outside the nets and then get blown up. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so in order to navigate into the Bedford Basin, ships had to go through a strait called the Narrows. So, already less less space Mm -hmm. um so ships were supposed to keep to the right side of the channel and pass oncoming ships on the left port to port so like a road yeah yeah or like when you're walking whoever when you the way you drive is the way you walk you stay to the right because the right side is the right side i hate people that walk on the left side i'm like what are you doing they're being idiots they're being idiots so, yeah, so they're supposed to keep to the right side of the channel, pass mm-hmm. each other on the left, mm-hmm. and there was a speed limit of five knots, which is 9.3 kilometers an hour. So not very fast. Not very fast. Okay. So the Emo was given clearance to leave the harbor at approximately 7.30 a.m. on December 6th. Okay. So they entered the Narrows above the speed limit because they were trying to make up for lost time for not being able to leave on the 5th. It's never a good choice. No, never a good choice. Um, they met an oncoming American ship, the SS Clara, coming up the wrong side of the strait. Of course they were. Yeah. So they agreed to pass starboard to starboard instead of port to port. Which is the wrong way, the right? The opposite way, okay. yes. Yep. Starboard is right, so yeah. Okay. Um, the Mont Blanc also headed into the harbor at approximately 7.30 a.m. on December 6th, and they were the second ship in after the nets went down. 
Francis Mackey, the pilot of the Mont Blanc, spotted the emo when it was about 1.2 kilometers away from them mm-hmm. and coming at them from the wrong side of the street. Yeah, but if they've already passed the other ship, why didn't they go back to the right side? After they passed the American ship, they had to move even further to the wrong side of the strait because they were passing a tugboat that was kind of coming up the middle. So I guess instead of going back to the correct side, yeah, but they why went wouldn't the tugboat the move? Side. The tugboat is little; it can move so easy. I don't know. This is just all so many bad decisions happened. <laughs> I don't understand. Like if if you're the tugboat, you move. Yeah, they did not. <laughs> Okay. Yep. So, yeah. So, pilot of the Mont Blanc, the explosive ship, mm-hmm. sees the emo about 1.2 kilometers away coming at gas. them from the wrong side. And he, well, coal technically, but yeah. Oh, right. <laughs> Sorry. Yes. Um, and he became concerned because it looked like, you know, it was going to come right at them and hit them on mm-hmm. the right hand side. Um, so he gave a blast of the ship's whistle to indicate that he had the right of way, and they responded with two blasts, which apparently indicated we ain't fucking moving. We are not yielding our position. So he was like, hey guys, you're in our way, and they just said, fuck you? Yes. Oh, good. Yep. So that's the equivalent of just, like, when you're getting mad at someone on the road and they just give you the middle finger. Yes. Okay, good. Um, Great. Yeah. So the captain of the Mont Blanc ordered them to halt engines and angle slightly more to the right and he let out a whistle hoping that the emo would do the same and move over the other way but they again signaled we're not yielding our position why didn't they just move over i don't know because they were dicks they're just like we're late we have a place to go fucking get out of our way no but if the but if the right side was clear why wouldn't you just go to the right side well they were on yeah yeah, they were like the yeah. the the people who yeah, were, were wrong were on left. their left yes. side when they yeah. were supposed to be on their right side. Mm-hmm. So why did they just go to the right side? I don't know. I really don't. Because like the French ship was on their right side, yeah, the correct side, the correct side, and they moved even more over onto the correct side. Basically, mm-hmm. if they were driving a car, they went into the li- like to the, the shoulder, shoulder, yeah, to make more room mm-hmm. so that they could get around them. Even and if they were like, "Lol, no, we're not moving." <laughs> What? They made more room for you so that you had a more of a buffer to get into the correct lane and you still didn't do it. Mm-hmm. Rude. Yeah. So nearby sailors heard the commotion and realized that a collision was imminent. <laughs> so they did what anyone would do and gathered around to watch. Are you kidding? No. <laughs> Are you kidding? Nope. That's when you run away. Well, I don't think that they knew that it was full of explosives because like the ship was just coming in. I don't care. I don't. I just, but, <sighs> shrapnel is a thing. Yeah. Also, there's fires. There's fires. Things can catch on fire. Yep. If a piece of shrapnel, like they're made of wood, boats are made of wood. If a piece of wood catches on fire and goes flying, do you want that hitting you? I, I don't care about the. They were made of metal in 1917, weren't they? I don't know. Okay. Anyways. <laughs> Wait, so... let's ask Siri. Siri, what were boats made out of in 1917? Uh, nope. Siri. Okay. No. Fuck you. <laughs> Let me talk. Siri, what were warships made out of in 1970? No. Here's what I found. Whatever. Anyway, we can't figure it out. Keep going. <laughs> okay. 
Um, so at this point, both ships had cut their engines, but the momentum that they already had going carried them into each other at a slow speed. But I don't understand. Why wouldn't they just go to the correct sign? I don't know. <laughs> I'm so... People are so stupid. So... Mackie was afraid to ground the Mont Blanc in case the shock set off the explosives. So he ordered them to steer hard to port in a last-ditch effort to avoid the emo. Is that going... So he he curved to the left? Yeah. And he didn't want to stall? What does that mean? He didn't want to ground the ship. Like, he didn't want to go up onto the shore because he was afraid that the, like, shaking would, like, set off the explosives. Also, that sounds like it would cause a lot of damage, even yeah. if it didn't explode. Oh, yeah, explode. definitely. Okay, okay. okay. Um, Sorry, I just need yeah. to understand that. It's okay. So now <laughs> the ships are, like, almost parallel to each other, and the emo let out three blasts, indicating that they were reversing their engines. So, so they're going to go backwards. They're, almost, they're, like, parallel. They're next to each other. Yeah. Like, they're passing each other yeah. at this point. Like, everything is okay right now. Yeah. For the most part. For the most part. They're... They are pa- on the wrong side, mm-hmm. but they are passing each other, yeah. which also tells me that the emo definitely had enough time <laughs> to get to the right fucking side. Yeah. So. But then why are they reversing? I think that they were at maybe slightly the wrong angle. So maybe if they kept going, they would have hit each other, like scraped against each other. So they're like, we'll back up. But because they didn't really have any cargo on board, the reversing of the engines ended up swinging the front of their ship into the hold of the Mont Blanc. Wait, why does having stuff on there? Because they were a lot lighter. So they like reversed the engines and then instead of like, you know, like if they were slower, they probably would have gone right back. But because they were like lighter and higher in the water, they kind of like swung. Oh, I didn't even know that was a thing that would happen. Yeah. Kind of like when, like, a semi-truck doesn't really have a lot of cargo. They're, like, a harder to control. Oh, yeah. They're back in. Okay. 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 I kind of so get like that. that. So, like that. So, their front hit their back? Um, yes. It pushed the prow of the emo into the hold of the Mont Blanc on the starboard side. So, kind of like the, more like the middle, I guess. So, the front of the emo hit the middle of the front ship. Okay. Um, so the collision happened at 8.45 a.m., and although the damage to the Mont Blanc wasn't severe, it did cause barrels full of the highly flammable benzol on the deck to topple over, spill all over the deck, and into the hold. Great. And then as the Emo's engines kicked in and the boat disengaged from the hold of the Mont Blanc, it caused sparks to fly, which ignited (gasps) the benzol. And started a fire that traveled very quickly over the ship. Oh my god. Yeah. So the captain of the Mont Blanc ordered the crew to abandon ship, fearing Uh, Mm -hmm. an imminent explosion. Uh, By this point, um, citizens of Halifax had gathered on the streets. Oh god. Because there was like a fire going on and and, like commotion. Okay, okay. Watching the ships hit each other. Sure, I get it. But the minute a fire starts, run the fuck away! Yeah. Don't watch it. Stop watching it. Run away. Run away fast. I thinking they thought they were safe because the ship was like out in the harbor and they're like, we're on the street or like we're in our house. No, yeah. fire doesn't work like that. Well, if it's in like the middle of the harbor, how's the fire going to get to the land? I don't know. If, but if it burned that fast and that quickly, I would have been like, I'm out. Yeah. 
well, then you would have probably survived a lot more than a lot of these people did. Because, like, if it just was a little fire, like, okay, I get it. But, like, with if it's how fast you said it, like, you described it, like, it would have been, like, whoosh. Yeah. And, like, I mean, I guess it is 1917. They weren't exactly as educated as, like, we are probably now. But, like, that kind of, like, that kind of, like, speed kind of indicates it's not just regular fire. There's, like, some sort of chemical. Yeah. So, yeah, so Halifax citizens had gathered on the street or were watching from the windows of their homes and businesses as the ship burned. Um, The crew of the Mont Blanc tried to shout from their lifeboats that their ship was about to explode, but they couldn't be heard above the other noise and confusion. Uh, The lifeboats made their way to the Dartmouth shore, and the abandoned ship beached itself at Pier 6 on the Halifax side near the foot of Richmond Street. Oh, it went into the ground. Oh, no. Yeah, hit the pier. Um... So the tugboat from earlier, the Stella Stella Morris, uh, responded to the fire immediately, and they headed to Pier Six to spray the burning ship. Um, that doesn't help if it's a bunch of chemicals and explosions. Yeah. Well, when they got there, they quickly realized that it was too much for just them, so they started. They backed off. Two more ships who'd been nearby um, sent like smaller ships from their ships. So a whaler from the HMS High Flyer and a steam pinnace from the hmcs niobe joined the tugboat okay and the captains of the tugboat and the niobe um agreed that they would secure a line to the mont blanc and tow it away from the pier so that the pier wouldn't get set on fire as well that's smart and just as they had ordered for the rope to go down the explosion happened okay oh, wait what happened to the other ship the emo yeah it's like still out in the water is it still there? Or did it just like fuck off? It's still there. Okay. Yeah. So at nine oh four a.m., the fire set off the cargo explosives. Uh, the ship, the Mont Blanc, was completely blown apart, and a blast wave came from the ship, traveling more than a thousand meters per second. Shit. White hot shards of iron fell on Halifax and Dartmouth. <gasps> a cloud of smoke rose at least thirty six hundred kilometers high. Fuck. The shockwave from the blast traveled at nearly 23 times the speed of sound. Wait, what? Yeah. So is it like on movies and TV shows when an explosion happens and you see that like clear wave shoot through? Yeah. That like knocks people on their, like, that's pretty strong. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and from and 1917. Yeah, exactly. So I was reading one thing that said that like this, the Halifax explosion is so was like such a big explosion that like they used it to compare all other explosions. So like when they dropped the first bomb during World War Two, they were like it was seven times stronger than the Halifax explosion. That's insane. Yeah. So the shockwave was felt as far away as Cape Breton, which was 207 kilometers away. And Prince, oh my gosh. And Prince Edward Island, 180 kilometers away. Wait, P, I felt it? Yeah. Dang. An area of over 160 hectares, or 400 acres, was destroyed, and the harbor floor was momentarily expo- exposed by the volume of water being displaced. Like so, full Moses style, yes. the water separated and you saw the bottom of the, of the water. Yep. Well, of the river, uh, inlet, whatever you yeah, want to call the it. the bay. Yeah. Damn! Um, so this caused a tsunami that rose as high as 18 kilometers above the high water mark on the Halifax side. Uh, the tsunami carried the emo onto the shore of the, of the Dartmouth side. Um, all but one man on the whaler, everyone on the pinnace, and 21 out of the 26 men on the tugboat were killed. 
all but one of the Mont Blanc crew survived. So that man must have such survivor's guilt. No, no, no. Everyone except for one guy, just one guy died, and everybody oh. else lived. <laughs> oh gosh, that's amazing. How'd they get away so fast? I because they started rowing away like as soon as the fire started. Okay, had, I'm like, sorry, and nobody else took the fucking hint. Like even if you couldn't see them, if I was like, "Hey, that ship's on fire," hey, that's their crew. What are they're, they doing? They're booking it away real fast. Yeah, should we? Why do you think they're running away so quickly? <laughs> and then they went to like the Dartmouth side of the bay, whereas the ship ended up on the Halifax side. Mm. So they were on like the opposite sides. Um, yeah. So over 1,600 people were killed instantly. Um, another 9,000 were injured, and 300 of those died later. Gosh. Every building in a 2.6-kilometer radius was destroyed or very badly damaged, and it was over 12,000 buildings. Um, hundreds of people who'd been watching from their windows were blinded when the blast wave shattered their windows. Wait, like, permanently blinded? Um, some of them, yes. Some of them, no. So it kind of depended. Like, it, like, was it just, like, so bright? Like, br- No, the it, the blast wave broke the glass of the windows and shot it into their faces. This is where wearing glasses comes in handy. As long as it didn't break your glasses, too. Well, it probably hit the glass and that would have dampened it. Yeah. Um, stoves and lamps were overturned and started fires all over Halifax. Oh, no. Especially in the north end where entire city blocks were on fire, trapping <gasps> residents in their homes. What? There's, oh, my... God. There's a really, really horrifying quote from one of the firefighters. Um, he said, The sight was awful, with people hanging out of windows dead, some with their heads missing, and some thrown onto the overhead telegraph wires. Oh, no. He was the only member of his um, eight-man fire crew to survive. Okay, he would have extreme survivor's yeah. guilt. Oh, gosh. Um, Large brick and stone factories near Pier 6 collapsed and killed most of the workers inside. Oh, my God. The Richmond Railway Yards and station were destroyed, which killed 55 railway workers and destroyed and damaged over 500 railway cars. Oh, my gosh. North Street Station, which was one of the busiest in Canada, was badly damaged. The death toll would have been much higher, except for the self-sacrifice of the motherfucking hero, Patrick Vincent Coleman. He was a dispatcher of the Intercolonial Railway operating at the rail yard that was about 750 yard or feet from Pier 6. So he and his co-worker, William Lovett, learned of the dangerous cargo aboard the Mont Blanc from a sailor and began to flee, unlike, you know, most of everybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, but then he remembered that there was an incoming passenger train from St. John, New Brunswick that was set to arrive in a couple of minutes. So he returned to his post alone and continued to send out urgent telegraph messages to stop the train. Um, This message from him is at the Maritime Museum of the Atlantic, and he said, Hold up the train, ammunition afire in the harbor, making for Pier 6 and will explode. Guess this will be my last message. Goodbye, boys. So he was able to stop the train. His message was responsible for bringing all incoming trains to Halifax to a stop, and it was heard by other stations along the Intercolonial Railway, which helped the railway officials to respond to the disaster. Um, The train from St. John heeded his warning and stopped a safe distance away from the blast, saving the lives of the 300 passengers. He was unfortunately killed at his post. He was honored with a Heritage Minute in the 1990s, 
and inducted into oh, the Canadian. Oh, I remember those. Right. Oh, flashbacks. Yeah. It's like that with the. Uh, are they called house hippos? Yes. House hippos. <laughs> the house hippos. I wanted one of those when I was little. I was Me very upset when too. I learned they weren't real. Yep. So yeah. Anyone who's not Canadian is like, what the fuck are you talking <laughs> about? Canadians, yep. Um, yeah, so Heritage Minute, he was inducted into the Canadian Railway Hall of Fame in 2004. <laughs> yeah, he was. And a new Halifax Dartmouth Ferry was named after him in 2018. Aww. So, great guy. Good guy. Good guy. Um, so after the explosion, the rescue mission started, so survivors helped to dig out victims from the rubble, and the hospitals were very quickly overwhelmed. Yeah, I can imagine. Uh, firefighters Fuck. were among the first to respond to the disaster, rushing to try to extinguish the Mont Blanc before the explosion occurred, and nine members of the Halifax Fire Department lost their lives in the blast. Uh, fire companies from all over Nova Scotia and New Brunswick came on relief trains. Oh my gosh. The Royal Navy cruisers sent in organized rescue parties, because they were like on ships out in the harbor, so they like saw it happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and took many wounded aboard. Nearby U.S. ships also responded and assisted with the rescue and treating the wounded. Um, the train from St. John, the passengers came and helped with the rescue effort, and then the train was used to transport wounded away from the city. Mm-hmm. Uh, rescue trains were sent from across Atlantic Canada and the northeastern U.S. Um, the next day, there was a fucking blizzard because Canada. <laughs> So that hampered the relief efforts because it because dropped. Mother Earth has a sense of humor. It dropped forty-one centimeters of snow in one day. Yeah, but at least to help put out the fires. She really has a sense of humor. Yeah, yeah. So the exact number of people killed is unknown, but there have been uh, nineteen hundred and fifty identified. The last body wasn't recovered until the summer of nineteen nineteen. So like two years later. Holy shit. Approximately 6,000 people were left homeless, and 25,000 had insufficient shelter. Many of the wounded were permanently disabled, including a bunch of people who had, like, permanent vision loss or, Mm -hmm. like, yeah. Uh, The damage was estimated in 1917 at $35 million, which in today is $591 million. Holy shit. Yeah. So they did receive approximately $30 million in financial aid. So they got $18 million from the federal government, $4 million from the British government, and $750,000 from the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. Random, but all right. Yeah. So um, Halifax suffered the brunt of the damage, but Dartmouth was damaged as well. Mm-hmm. They weren't as densely populated, and they were further away from the blast, but they still suffered heavy damage to the buildings, um, and almost 100 people were estimated to have died on the Dartmouth side. There was a um, Micmac First Nation settlement around the there were like a few of them around the bedford basin mm-hmm. and there was one directly opposite pier nine so the explosion was at pier six so i think like still like across mm-hmm. it was called um tufts cove and the department of indian affairs had actually been trying to remove all the first nations from that area because you know that's what they did back then Sweet. Um, but they hadn't yet at this time. So the physical structures of the settlement were all destroyed and they weren't rebuilt afterwards because they wanted them gone. Um, a precise Micmac death toll is unknown, but records have shown nine bodies recovered. And the Halifax Remembrance Book lists 16 residents of the Tufts Cove community as dead, but not all the residents were First Nations. And then there was a black community called Africville. 
on the southern shores of the Bedford Basin. Um, so because of their location, they didn't get direct force of the blast, but their homes weren't very good quality, so they were still all destroyed. That sucks. And families recorded the deaths of five residents, and they received very little of the donated money to help rebuild. Shocking. Because racism. Shocking. Shocking. Yeah. Shocking. So... Um, they did do an investigation into, like, the cause of the blast. So when the blast first happened, people, not everybody realized at first that it was, like, a ship that exploded. They were thought they were being attacked by Germans. That makes sense. Yeah. So a lot of people were afraid of, like, a second attack coming before they realized that it was, like, this ship that had exploded. Basically, they did an inv- investigation afterwards, and the captain and pilot of the Mont Blanc as well as the Royal Canadian Navy's officer in charge of the harbor gates and anti-submarine defense were charged. They were charged with, like, manslaughter and Wait, why was the French ship charged? Yeah, that's what I was wondering. So, um, people were saying that it was the Mont Blanc's responsibility to avoid a collision at all costs because they were the ones who knew what their cargo was. But they were. Yep. So I guess they're saying, well, they should have just booked it over to the incorrect side of the harbor, even though they had the right of way because they had Was the this ICBC? Cargo. Did ICBC rule in this favor? No. <laughs> some <laughs> Fuck right. I know. <laughs> sorry. 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 <laughs> that just sounded like a ruling ICBC You're not wrong. So... <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Sorry. So the um, this was likely influenced by strong anti-French local sentiment. <sighs> yeah, more racism. Um, and apparently the quote street fighter style of the emo's lawyer. So uh, okay. most people had expected the emo to be charged. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. Since they were on the wrong side of the fucking harbor. Mm-hmm. Correct. Um, but they never were. Wait, they didn't get charged at all? No. So... What? Yeah. So the two guys who worked on the Mont Blanc, the charges were dropped before they ever went to trial. And then the guy in charge of the harbor did go to trial, but he was acquitted in less than a day. Yeah, because it wasn't his fucking fault. I don't even know what he had to fucking do with this. No. So, yeah. Um, I was, I didn't put it in the notes, but I was reading that, like, after they settled the, like, the criminal court cases, the, like, Mont Blanc and the emo basically sued each other for damages. Mm-hmm. Um, originally, the Mont Blanc was found to be 100% at fault. How? Sorry, that was really loud. Probably fucking ICBC again. Probably. <laughs> Fuck you. Fuck ICBC. Fuck ICBC. ICBC, why you gotta be like that? <laughs> so... They like appealed and they appealed it as far as like the Supreme Court of Canada, and it was found that they were equally at fault. I still don't. Understand I still that. don't agree, but yeah. <laughs> so, um, one nice thing to come out of this is that um, the I think they did it the first year after the explosion, and then they started again in the 1970s. But every year, um, Nova Scotia sends a Christmas tree to Boston to thank them for their help and the aftermath of the explosion and their donations and it's like the official christmas tree of boston and it's That's like really cute yeah it's really cute was boston just like one of the first responders yeah and they gave them like a lot of money and stuff because oh. they gave them that like seven hundred and fifty thousand. so yeah so they do that every year um 
they you'd think it'd be something that would be commemorated a lot but it was like so horrible for people that they wanted to like repress the memory so they celebrated well not like celebrated but they did like a one-year anniversary commemoration and then they didn't recognize it again until the like 50-year anniversary Mm -hmm. and then even after that they like stopped for a while and then they like kind of started up again i think i think maybe in the 70s too so so now they do it every year and now they and now they do it every year it was the 100 year anniversary like two years ago so Um, yeah dang yeah two years ago makes sense 2017 yeah dang so yeah that was one of the worst explosions definitely in canada and one of the worst in the world yeah why we have a lot of records i don't understand for being such a random country (laughs) i mean we're not a random country i love us canada (laughs) but like i mean we're large in sense of space land mass yeah and like we are first world but like population and like what we do in the world and like our like we have quite a bit of impact but like we're quiet impact we're not loud like england and the u.s but like we have a lot of shit mm-hmm. <laughs> all right we're gonna keep going so yours was really depressing yep um as usual i'm gonna continue that oh, i was gonna say i thought you were gonna say you're gonna lighten things up mm-hmm. okay it's gonna be a long one okay okay so i was like i have ideas of what i want to do for my story but they're all really long, so I was like, let me find something that's not as long. So then I went onto the news app and was like, let's see what's going on in the world today. Bunch of depressing shit. <sighs> yeah. And then I clicked on this one and I was like, yeah, I'll do this. But then I was like, wait, halfway through, I was like, wait, why did I decide to do this? This is a very complicated, long-going topic that is a very... I'm just, Okay, I'm already two hours into this. I can't stop now. <laughs> Okay, so the thing that the news article was about currently is Kentucky. Okay. So, they upheld a law that Kentucky had. There was a, like, people were suing for it to, like, remove it. Mm -hmm. And it was the law requiring a physician to display and describe a fetal ultrasound to patients seeking abortions. And this has survived an appeal to the U.S. Supreme Court, basically. So, the U.S. Supreme Court said, yep, it's fine that they have this law. Okay. So... Supporters of this measure say that it is a prudent policy and important in ensuring patients um, are given the correct informed consent before they have this procedure. Okay. So the reason they were having this lawsuit was it was brought by a Kentucky abortion provider, EMW Women's Surgical, and so they argued that the law violated physicians' First Amendment right of free speech Mm -hmm. because the law basically said they have to, like, the doctors have to do this and they have to, like physically described the baby like you know how like when people are like it's the size of this and it has fingers and toes and like Mm -hmm. so yeah they're saying that it violates a physician's first amendment right to free speech so supporters of this law say that it does not require anyone to follow a set script rather the physician or qualified technician who is making the required disclosures can use his or her own words okay which fine whatever okay sorry so clarify so the law is saying that like not only do you have to like take and show somebody the ultrasound you also have to physically be like this is this blah 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 okay Mm -hmm. so the doctor or technician has to sit there and spend more of their valuable time Mm -hmm. explaining Mm -hmm. this baby that Mm -hmm. this person is about to get aborted Mm -hmm. in the law's in in the hope that they will change their mind because Mm -hmm. they'll be like oh my baby has fingers Mm -hmm. except for 
on, on top of that, sorry, I have my, like, wrote these notes really fast, so some of them don't make sense. Um, so, yeah, so they're required to do this whether the mother is listening or not. Like, she can close her eyes and cover her ears, and the doctor and technician still legally have to go through the whole procedure and the whole description. The fuck? Mm-hmm. Okay. The mother doesn't have to listen, but they have to do it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so the lower courts have been descri- have been divided over this, what they call display and describe ultrasound laws. So two federal courts upheld the Kentucky law, but in a similar case in North Carolina, um, a different federal judge struck down this law. Um, so earlier next year, the court will hear an abortion rights case from Louisiana involving a law that requires doctors to perform abortions to have admitting privileges near hospitals. So that's why this case is uh, important. So yeah, so next year the Supreme Court will hear about an abortion case, about like abortion rights in Louisiana specifically. Mm-hmm. So this is the first time an abortion case has been brought forward to the court's new um, majority Republican oh, justices fuck. that have been appointed by the president, which includes um, Justin Neil Gorich and Justin Brett Kavanaugh. Yeah, that mm-hmm. motherfucker. So, um, the main case that obviously they're arguing is Roe versus Wade, mm-hmm. which if anyone, I didn't watch it for this because I've already seen it, but there's a really good documentary about it in, on Netflix. Um, so Roe versus Wade, uh, made abortion legal in all states, but the lo- like the states didn't go down with a fight. There's lots of laws limiting the availability. Um, however, which you will hear when I get into it, there's a lot of states that have, um, what they call trigger laws, which are laws that basically state abortion is illegal. They just can't enforce it because of Roe versus Wade. But the minute Roe versus Wade reverses, they don't have to like wait for laws to be reinstated. Right. They're already there and okay. it's illegal. Okay. That seems very unethical. Yep. So lots of states have passed laws to restrict late term abortions, require parental notifications for minors and mandate the disclosure of abortion risks information to parents prior to the procedure, which... I mean, like, I don't disagree with disclosing the risks of a procedure. And on paper, all of those things sound great. Like, Not so much the parental notification thing. Depends, though. Like, most medical procedures, you need parental yeah. consent. Yeah. So, True. like, within reason, all mm-hmm. of those things on paper sound fine. Mm-hmm. So, an article from the U.S. Constitution is the 14th Amendment, which states all persons born or naturalized in the United States are subject to the jurisdiction thereof any citizens of the United States and of the state wherein they reside, no state shall make or enforce any law which shall abridge the privileges or immunities of citizens of the United States, nor shall any state deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of law, nor deny any person within its jurisdiction equal protection of the laws. Both sides use this argument. Of course. I can already see how both sides use it. Mm -hmm. Because obviously pro-choice is like, okay, well... It's an embryo. The person who's a citizen who pays taxes, who lives in your fucking state, obviously gets the right to choose. Mm-hmm. But then on the pro-life side, which I'm now forever calling it the anti-choice side because that's mm-hmm. what e- that's the new way. Because pro-life just makes it sound nice, and mm-hmm. it's not nice. It's anti-choice. Yeah. So the anti-choice side um, says like that the embryo is a human, so they should have this right. Even which it's whatever. Fucking, okay, it's not. It's not. It's not. Just wait. So originally, like back when abortion started to become kind of legal, even before Roe versus Wade, um, was the like vi- viability of the baby. Okay. So which at the time was about 27 weeks or about seven months. And both sides generally agreed upon that because 
it was the time to which a baby could be born and survive on its own outside the mother. Mm-hmm. So both pro-life, I mean, pro-choice and anti-choice were like, yep, that makes sense. Okay. But with the few, like the technology, you know, growing, getting better, mm-hmm. that time has become early and earlier as to when technically babies are quote unquote viable, mm-hmm. which has caused the divide in people. <laughs> right. So Even it's, though, like, they're still not really viable yeah. super early on. So, like, But now it's as early as 20 weeks to 24 weeks, which is becoming a problem. Because if a baby's born at 20 weeks, it can still be viable. It's just, it will be in ICU and, like, plugged up to a bunch of machines and stuff like that. Right. But, like, the argument is that they're viable. Okay. So, therefore, you can't abort them. In 1992, because in Roe vs. Wade, it was very specifically, like... You cannot abort a baby once they're viable, but before that point, you're totally allowed to, mm-hmm. which some people thought, maybe, like, seven months is quite far Late, along. yeah. So in 1992, Planned Parenthood versus Kiss Casey overturned Roe's strict trimester formula, um, but re-emphasized the right to abortion as grounded in the general sense of liberty and privacy. Um, so there's a quote that says, if the right of privacy means anything, it is the right of the individual, married or single, to be free of unwarranted governmental intrusion into matters so fundamentally affecting a person as the decision whether to bear or beget a child. Which makes sense. Yep. So basically they were just saying, because Roe versus Wood is very specific about trimester, and this just overturned it, giving it like a little bit more flexibility. Okay. Um, but unfortunately this also gave anti-abortion groups a, like, a stronger hold, because yes, it gave more people avail- availability for like past seven months, like if something were to happen, but then it also gave anti-abortion groups the ability to like go the other way and right. say like, oh, well, what about earlier? Cause just because it wasn't so strict. So in 1995, a bunch of Republicans wanted to ban what is called intact dilation and extraction, which a lot of people might not have heard. And if you have heard of it, it's usually referred to a D&E. Okay. Again, this is men talking about things that affect women that I have no idea what it is. But um, they, bl- they planned to buy it because it is also commonly known as a partial birth abortion is like another term for it. Um, so it passed twice with wide margins, but President Bill Clinton vetoed these bills in April 96 and October 97 on the grounds that they did not exclude health exceptions. Good job, which, Bill. But the thing is, DNEs are almost always used in health exceptions. Oh, okay. Like, they're, they're very rarely used as an actual abortion method. Right. Like, to just get rid of a child. Right. Like, they're only ever used if it's like, like, DNEs, one of the common uses is for stillborns. Okay. That aren't like your like obviously when you have a stillborn they try and wait for your body to like let it go itself but sometimes mm-hmm. your body won't. Mm-hmm. A DNA is what they use to like remove the baby from you okay. like that is one of the things that they would do. Also, they argued that this would base yeah. So supporters of the bill argue that the health exception would render the bill unenforceable because basically it's the only time it gets fucking used. Mm-hmm. Um, da, da, da. so a DNA is basically um. They, like, open your cervix, and they go in, and they, like... And again, this is imaging that I know anti-choice groups use to be, like, look at what they do when they abort your baby, and this is the imaging they use, and I know for a fact it's for this. And, nine, like, a very large percent of the time, the baby is either already dead, mm-hmm. has some sort of, like, like um, deformity, like, um, like, it's technically alive, like, the heart's beating, but they don't have a brain, like, mm-hmm. those kind of deformities. Yeah. Um, but I know for a fact that I've seen posters with anti-choice groups of this, but they'll literally go, this is really horrible and I'm really sorry for anyone who doesn't want to hear this. 
Um, Melissa, close your ears. Yeah, Melissa, close your ears. Um, they open your cervix, like they make it relax, mm-hmm. and they basically just like pull the baby out of you, but in chunks. Ooh. And like one of my medical teachers, professors, basically described it as like they scrape your uterus because they need to make sure there's no like dead material in your yeah. uterus because that can cause an infection. Yeah. And so it's like a it's a day procedure. Like you go in, you get it done, you go home. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's not fun. Like I've watched women not get it, but like I've watched reports on women who've had mm-hmm. it. And so like you don't see it happening to them, but you see them before they go get the procedure and they come out. They are in such because literally your uterus just got scraped. And as someone yeah. who has an IUD, like just like when I got my IUD, she literally just like stuck a pole in to just like measure how deep my like uterus goes. Mm-hmm. Just like she was so gentle. Just the tap of the tip of that caused such excruciating cramping and pain. And then even just putting the IUD into my uterus, just like it hitting the top of my uterus, I was in so much like like my entire abdomen just like did like just gripped and it was just so uncomfortable like i can't imagine how much pain you'd be in if someone was like pulling out your baby and like scraping your uterus but like they have to because you don't want an infection in your uterus do they give them like anesthetic or they do but it wears off right like it's just a day surgery um but they want to make this illegal and they have in quite a few states but again majority of the time this is only used in like the baby's already dead the baby doesn't have a brain like in cases where like your your body should let go of that fetus it just hasn't yeah basically is the best of course there are exceptions and there are still times where like they would use it as an actual abortion but it's very rare Mm -hmm. but people want to make it illegal because of the name partial birth partial birth abortion because it is usually after like the baby's kind of like an actual like you can kind of see it's an actual baby right so except it's either dead so not viable or it doesn't have a fucking brain so still not viable yeah um so yeah on october 2nd 2003 a vote of 281 for to 142 against in the house approved the measure banning the procedure called the partial birth abortion ban act um, through this legislation, a doctor could face up to two years in prison and face civil lawsuits for performing such an abortion. Um, a woman who undergoes it cannot be prosecuted under such measures. Well, the measure something. contains an exemption to allow the procedure if a woman's life is threatened, which we all know is bullshit, and they just put that in there to sound good, and it doesn't actually mean anything. Um, something called, and I think we've all heard of this in the news, a fetal heartbeat bill legislative has been picked up momentum in the last couple years. I've heard a bunch about this in the States. That basically you're not allowed to get an... Oh, fuck. You've... Sorry. I was playing with the stand in the back. And <laughs> it opened. Oopsie. So, um, it's basically saying you can't get an abortion the minute you can detect a heartbeat, which is as early as six weeks. What the fuck? Yep, you like, might not even know you're fucking pregnant in six Most women weeks. don't. Most women yeah. don't realize they're pregnant until about six to eight weeks. Um, so according to 2017... Nope, not to the year. <laughs> the year just let us know. The year 2017 has come forward in time to tell us this. yes um so the center of reproductive rights and ibis of reproductive health um oh they tried to pass additional constraints oh on people like women's ability to access legal abortions mm-hmm. oh and the the states that are more like this are they re- tend to resist expanding medicaid family leave medical leave and sex education in public schools which is shocking yes i'm very shocked okay. right now um oh this is where i wanted to skip to the end so then i was like okay well what are every state's laws on abortion forgetting that there are 51 fucking states 
50 50 fucking states (laughs) i always think it's 51 i don't know why i think it's because i think there's 50 and then the song goes and and hawaii or something like that like the song to memorize the states Mm -hmm. is like that's all of them oh and hawaii so i think it's 50 plus hawaii right or something like that. I don't know. I'm stupid. It's from when I was a child and I always fuck it up. Anyway, forgetting there are 50 states. So I'm just going to try and barrel through this as quickly as I can. A lot of them kind of talk about each other. So I skip them okay. when it comes like in like one of them. That's like it's in alphabetical order. So like in one of the C states, it says New York. So then I don't write that point to New York. So okay. just if I mention another state, when I get to that state, remember that I don't mention it again. Sometimes I do, but I don't usually. There will be a quiz later. <laughs> yes. I hope everyone's taking notes. Okay. So the first in alphabetical order is Alabama. Oh, fuck's sakes. So on April 2nd in 2019, House Bill 314, which is also known as the Human Life Protection Act, bans abortions at every stage of pregnancy and criminalizes the procedure for doctors, except in the case of medical emergency, which again, we all know is just written. Chances are no one's still going to do it because they're too afraid of getting arrested. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was introduced in the lower house. The bill passed the lower house on April 30th, passed the Senate on May 14th, and was signed into law by Governor Kay Ivey on May 16th of this year. So, okay, I remember hearing that, like, this is the one that they want to try and use to overturn Roe v. Wade, but I'm unclear as to how... It's not this one, though. It's Louisiana. Oh, it's Louisiana. Yes. I'm unclear as to how they're allowed to create a law that goes directly against a Supreme Court law. Oh, there's a lot of states that have them. They've created these laws. They cannot enforce them currently because of Roe versus Wade, but they've created them. Okay, so this is like a trigger law. Mm -hmm. So technically, women in Alabama can still get abortions. Okay. I mean, no, because the doctors will go to jail. But you said they can't enforce it. But they'll just go to jail anyways. Okay. They can't enforce it, but there's still the threat. Right. So, like, doctors won't do it. Right. Um, so, Obama was one of the only... Um, so, Alabama is one of only two states in the nation. Um, inc- the other one is Minnesota. That In 2019, it did not have a law that terminated parental rights of men who produced a child via rape or incest. So, if some man rapes you and impregnates you... In Alabama or Minnesota, he has parental rights over that child. What the fuck? Yeah. Just side note. Men who rape people should lose all of their rights to literally everything, yeah. including their own lives. So, um, in 2019, there was an effort to pass legislation, so for in the case of rape, um, but it didn't pass. Of course not. Uh, yeah. Gotta protect those rapists. Although it did, it did have like a little additive that said, courts could like the courts could terminate parental rights of a parent who was oh no sorry nope terminate parental rights of a parent who sexually abuses their own child because apparently that wasn't a thing yet oh okay (laughs) in 2019 alabama what the fuck um there's not too many stories but in alabama there's quite a few so on may 12th 1984 Two men entered a clinic on Mother's Day weekend in Birmingham, Alabama. Um, just pretty quickly after the lady who was, o- like, the nurse who was, or the administrator who was probably opening the building. Mm-hmm. So she'd opened the doors, and they forced their way into the clinic. One of the men threatened the woman um, that if she tried to prevent the attack, obviously he'd hurt her. The other man, wielding a sledgehammer, um, just went at, like, all their equipment. Ended up damaging about $7,500 to $8,500 worth of the equipment. 
and the man who and the man who damaged the equipment was identified as Father Edward Markley of the Benedictine, who was a Benedictine prince, priest, priest, not prince. Sorry, Father Edward Markley of Benedictine. No, a Benedictine. I can read my own writing. A Benedictine priest who was the Birmingham diocese. Diocese. But there's an N at the end. Diocene? Maybe. Um, he's also the coordinator of pro-life activities. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was convicted of first-degree criminal mischief and second-degree burglar, burglary. His accomplice was never identified. And then on June 15th, 1984, on Father's Day weekend, he destroyed suction equipment at a Birmingham clinic. Um, he... Oh, wait, sorry. I wrote these backwards. On June 15th, 1984, a month after he destroyed the Birmingham clinic, he entered another clinic um, and destroyed a bunch of equipment in there. One of the employees, Catherine Wood, received back and injuries and a broken neck vertebrae while trying to prevent him from splashing red paint on the equipment. He was convicted of first-degree criminal mischief and one count of third-degree assault and one count of harassment. This was in Huntsville. Still referred to as Father Markley, so I assume he's still sanctioned by the church. Probably. Takes Uh, a lot for them to excommunicate somebody. Yep. Between 93 and 2015, 11 people were killed in American abortion clinics. Not because of the abortion, because of attacks, just before anyone tries to fight me on that. Um, The Army of Glop. The Army of Glop? The Army of Glop? Yep, it's fine. Okay. The Army of God claimed responsibility for Eric Robert Rudolph's 97 shrapnel bombing of an abortion clinic in Alabama and Birmingham. And the organization embraces its description as a terrorist group. Um, on January 29th, 98, Robert Sanderson, an off-duty police officer who worked as a security guard at an abortion clinic in Birmingham, Alabama, was killed when, it hit, when the clinic was bombed. Eric Rudolph admitted responsibility and was also charged with three Atlanta bombings, um, a 97 bombing of an abortion center, a 96 bombing of Centennial Olympic Park, and another of a lesbian nightclub. He was charged with the crimes and received two life sentences as a result, and a nurse in the clinic was permanently injured as a result. So just bombings all around. So that was Alabama. Oh, by the way, all of these states, every single fucking one has at least a paragraph of, and they tried to put in a law to ban abortion and it was turned down and they tried to put in another law the next year and it was turned down and then they tried to put in another law in like five years and it was turned down. Every single state. Every single state. I did not write that down. Every single state at some point submitted to ban abortion and it got rejected. Get it together, United States of America. So there's that. Also, there's something called trap laws. Okay. Which I will get into later, which is basically a lot of these laws. Okay. Because I had to look it up because every single state was like, and their trap laws applied to private physicians. Because I guess like when you're a private physician, you can, you like, you can do whatever you want because you're not publicly funded. Right. But they created laws that make it nearly impossible. I mean, you shouldn't be able to do whatever you want. But like, like you don't have to follow the same like procedures as like hospital because like you're not publicly funded right. so like if in the law they're like publicly funded can't do abortions like you can still do an abortion right. because you're okay. a private clinic so alaska so in 1971 alaska repealed its statue that said um inducing an abortion was a criminal offense so up Yay. until 90, 1971 it was illegal in alaska so abortion is legal in alaska but you have to be a resident for at least 30 to 90 days in the state. Like, you can't just go to Alaska and get an abortion. 
Oh, the only thing is, is Alaska and Minnesota, uh, both, it's not just Minnesota, it's actually quite a few states, but Alaska for sure, um, require that women seeking abortions after 20 weeks must be informed that while experts disagree on the issue, um, they're being informed that it is possible that the fetus can feel pain after 20 weeks. Although the general consensus is that they can't because the nerves that feel pain wouldn't have been developed yet at 20 weeks. Right. So, just another guilt trip. Yes. Also, there are only four clinics in the whole state. Good God. So, while it's legal, it's not exactly accessible. Mm-hmm. Um, Arizona. <clears throat> this is a law that's very common, and I'll just kind of be like, and the 1950 law. Um, so, there's a lot of states. But in by 1950, there is state legislature that stated any woman who had an abortion or even actively sought information or advice on getting an abortion, regardless of whether she went through with the abortion, was guilty of a criminal offense. Mm. So just even asking questions about it. So Governor Jan Brewer signed into law on April. Why are all these fucking women signing these laws? I wish I could tell you. April 2012, she signed a law for abortion restrictions. So it prohibited the procedure after 20 weeks, which is still pretty early in my opinion. Yeah. To get an abortion, you are required to take an ultrasound. Um, women are mandated to have a 24-hour waiting period after seeking an abortion, like after asking for an abortion, and must undergo um, in-person counseling, like state-mandated counseling, mm-hmm. which is probably by someone who doesn't agree with abortion. I'm sure. Which is fine. So you're just going to sit there for an hour and try and guilt trip you into not getting an abortion. I mean, personally for me, I don't mind the mandated 24 hours after getting all the information because it's a lot to take in and you need to make that decision, like... Mm-hmm. appropriately I don't think it's a very swift decision and I'm not saying women who get abortions are making a swift decision but like I'm sure there's lots of girls out there who just go yeah it's fine whatever I just want to do it mm-hmm. whereas like because they're probably not hearing the information you're giving them because there is a lot of medical information that is necessary and needed to know if you are getting an abortion because it's still a medical procedure that is affecting your body and on top of that even from the moment you become pregnant your body is just thrown to shit. Like, there's so much havoc being wreaked in your body the minute you get pregnant. So to all of a sudden rip that out of your body, your body's kind of in shock. Like, there's a lot of stuff that can happen with an abortion. And I think it's important that you are, like, educated correctly, are given the time to, like, process that information and come back and make your own educated decision. And sure, on paper, being mandated to talk to a counselor about it or some sort of medical professional is great, but chances are they're putting a medical professional in front of you who doesn't agree with abortion. Mm-hmm. So again, on paper, this all sounds great, but in practice, they're totally taking advantage of it. Yeah, definitely. Like, I don't understand. <laughs> like, having the idea of, like, you should think about this twice. It is important. Here's all your information. Take it home. Think about it. And come back tomorrow, and we can figure it out. Like, that doesn't bug me. Mm-hmm. You're not pressuring. You're giving them what they need. Like, it's fine. But, like, they're not doing it right. <laughs> Sorry. I'm just very angry. So, January 1st, 2019, in Arizona, the new law came in that required women to be provided detailed medical information. Oh, sorry. That women are to provide, so they have to give this information, detailed medical information. It was to be submitted to the state before they were allowed to have an abortion, which, like, let's just add more bureaucracy and red tape to cross over before, like, how long do you think it takes to send shit to the government before you can get approved? Like, how long do you think that takes? Wait, so they have to send stuff to the government and then Mm -hmm. wait for an approval? They can't, it's not just like, well, I fucking sent it, now I can go get my abortion? It says, a new law came in, wait, 
required women to provide detailed medical information that was to be submitted to the state before they were allowed to have an abortion. So, I think it's by the medical practitioners who have to do it. Okay. So, they just have to, like, make sure everything's submitted before they do it. But still, like, that's stupid. And, like, what happens if the government's like, we didn't receive it correctly and they'd already done the abortion? Like, that's, yeah. you run the risk sure of the liability, right? Bunch of times, yeah. Um, so, the information that's being requested was whether the abortion was elective or therapeutic, the number of abortions they'd had in the past, and information on any medical complications they have as a result of the abortion. Which... To me, is like, okay, that makes sense. If they're trying to get, like, info, like, it could be used to either side. Like, if that, if it, it only gave those three examples, and to me, those three examples aren't too bad. That's not super. But the fact that it was detailed medical information, I'm wondering if they actually asked for more than that, mm-hmm. which I suspect maybe they did. Um, so, in May 2019, a new law was introduced by Republican Representative Michelle Udall with 20 other co-sponsors that provided $2.5 million annually for a period of three years to create a pilot program, which is run by a Texas anti-abortion organization, um, with the purpose to, and I quote, encourage healthy childbirth and support childbirth as an alternative to abortion, which, like, if they didn't have the anti-abortion Mindset sounds great. Like two point five million to help women have healthy childbirths and afterbirths sounds lovely. Mm-hmm. But ending it with to counter abortion is just like, and you ruined it. Yep, and you, you lost it. me. You ruined it. So also says that these funds may not be used for abortion referral services or distributed to entities that promote or refer or perform abortions. So even if you are just like a women's health center who does not perform abortions, if you are okay sending women to somewhere that does do abortions, you are not allowed to have this funding. What the fuck? Mm-hmm. Oh, so there is a notable case out of Arizona, a woman named Sherry Finkbein, um, Phoenix like native. She had four healthy children and was pregnant with her fifth, but she found out that the child had severe deformities as she'd been taking um, sleeping pills that contained the drug called thylodomide, thylod- yeah, thylodomide, which is actually a really common one that they now actually put warnings out and don't prescribe to pregnant women anymore mm-hmm. because it causes severe, um, like, brain and skull deformities. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> but it, w- it is very popular. Um, she... And, like, wanted to warn... I think this is one of the reasons that they don't prescribe it too much to pregnant women anymore was because of this lady. So, obviously, she very much wanted an abortion because, like, the child probably wouldn't have survived. Right. Um, But because of the laws in Arizona, an abortion is only allowed to occur, like, if her life was at risk, which it wasn't. So, she ended up meeting with a reporter and telling her story. And she wanted to be kept anonymous, but apparently the reporter was just like, nah, bro cool which is great so she ended up going to sweden um oh this isn't 62 by the way this isn't like super current but like still um she ended up going to sweden and obtained a legal divorce abortion which it was also confirmed through this abortion the child would have been like very much deformed Mm -hmm. so for a story if anyone wants one which like you're listening to this so you're getting it (laughs) um arkansas they have an amendment to the state constitution. Don't the Duggars just, like, run Arkansas? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Basically. Everything the Duggars believe, basically, is what's going to be in this thing. Okay. Still not the worst state, by the way, for... They're not the strictest state for abortion. 
Um, so in 1988, they put an amendment for the Constitution that says the policy of Arkansas is to protect every life. Oh, sorry. The policy of Arkansas is to promote the life of every unborn child from conception until birth to the extent permitted by the federal Constitution. So a fetal heartbeat heartbeat bill banning abortion after 12 weeks was passed on January 31st, 2013 by the Arkansas tenant, although it was vetoed by Arkansas Governor Mike Bebe on March 6th, um, but his veto was overridden by the Arkansas House of Representatives, because apparently that's a thing that can happen, which I have learned during this story. Apparently vetoes can be overruled by the House of Representatives, which I think is supposed to be in the case of, like, if the governor's vetoes don't make sense. Right. But it sounds like they're going to take advantage of a lot. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, a federal judge issued a temporary injunction injunction against this law in May 2013. On March 2014, it was struck down by federal judge Susan Weber Wright, who described the law as unconstitutional because, again, Roe versus Wade was a thing, and they had they had a, like because of Roe versus Wade, basically, you're not allowed to tell anyone they can't get an abortion before 24 weeks, like 24 to 27 weeks, depending on the state that you're in. Mm-hmm. So in 62. Um, the American Law Institute published their model penal code as it applied to abortions with three circumstances where it was justifiable to perform an abortion. And a lot of states ended up following this code um, for like within their own reason. And so this code states that if there is substantial risk that the continuance of the pregnancy would gravely impair the physical or mental health of the mother or that the child would be born with grave physical or mental defect or that the pregnancy resulted in rape, incest, or other felonious intercourse. Felonious intercourse. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, oh, wait. <laughs> I skipped. Okay, so yeah. The unconstitutional part, that was Arkansas. I've jumped to California now. I just didn't put the header. This is California. <laughs> okay. So, sorry, 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 sorry. So this penal code of all this. So yeah. In 67, California adopted this kind of like penal code. Um, into law, but it did not allow exception for birth defects. I don't know. Whatever. Um, In 2002, California passed a law. The state may not deny or interfere with women's right to choose or obtain an abortion prior to viability of the fetus or when the abortion is necessary to protect the life or health of a woman. So basically it's just saying... Up until the twenty-four to seven weeks, you are more than likely you like you are more than welcome to get an abortion, and then after that, it's only for like medical necessity. Right. Okay. Which is reasonable. Great. That sounds yeah. great. Um, they also passed legislation stating that any clinic dealing with pregnancy or pregnancy care or anything with abortions or contraceptives, like all that stuff, they must post this notice, which is quote: California has public programs that provide immediate, free, and low-cost access to comprehensive family planning, including all FDA-approved methods of contraception, prenatal care, and abortion for eligible women. So if you want to have any sort of women's reproductive health care, you have to post that notice. Okay. Whether you are pro-abortion or not in your clinic, you have to post that notice. Okay. Which is great. That's Mm -hmm. lovely. Because they're basically saying you don't have to do it in your clinic, but you have to let people know that it is that available. That they can do it somewhere else. Yay, mm-hmm. California. Um, and then in 2017, they were one of many states, which I will just like point out when I get to that state because I wrote it in there, where um, they allow non-physician health professionals, such as physician's assistants, um, nurse practitioners and certified nurse midwives, which are different than just midwives. Okay. Um, but like certified 
health professionals that are allowed to do these things, um, to do first trimester, first trimester aspiration abortions and prescribe um, drugs for medical abortions, which is like the morning after pill and stuff like that. So aspiration abortions are usually only done within like the very beginning of the first trimester, and it's basically just where they stick a tube inside you and they suck it out. Because okay. it's just like a, like it's, oops, it's just like the little embedded embryo. Like mm-hmm. it's a pretty mild, pre- I mean, it still sucks. And you're probably still not going to feel great after. Mm-hmm. Um, but like these people are trained to do it. And if they are a non-physician, like they have to be properly certified to mm-hmm. be able to do it. But like you are able to do it, which is great because it makes it much more accessible. Oh, and then in May of this year, the California State Senate passed Senate Bill 24, which is called the College Student Right to Access Act. I know. It requires public state universities to offer students. So they are they are required to provide female students this morning after pill at zero cost. Yes. So funding for the program would be paid through insurance, private grants, which included training and equipment for both universities, and the clinics would have to set another would have to set aside an additional two hundred thousand um, to set up a student hotline that would provide information for women seeking advice and assistance. This bill was sponsored by Senator Connie Leva. I tried to name as many senators as I could, so you can be know who to be angry at and who to love. Go girl. So we we appreciate Senator Connie Leva um, in Colorado. Um, there is blah, blah, blah. So there's an initiative proposed by Christine Burton and Michael Burton, lovely, of the Colorado Equal Rights. So they have an Amendment 14, which was proposed to amend the definition of a person to any being from the moment of fertilization. Oh, for fuck's sakes. Mm-hmm. And then on November 4th, 2008, <laughs> it was, the initiative was turned down by 73.2% of the voters. Yes. Which made me laugh. Um, In 1965, Colorado became the first state to decriminalize abortion in the cases of rape, incest, or in which pregnancy would lead to permanent physical disability of the women. Why was that ever criminalized? Yeah, it was criminalized from, like, the 1900s. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. Apparently, the laws were in place to protect women from being, like, abused and, like, forced to get an abortion because, like, they were property for a really long time. And then no one just got rid of the laws until real recently. So, like, you couldn't be forced to get one, but you also couldn't choose to get mm-hmm. one if somebody fucking raped you. Apparently. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> I don't even know, yo. So, in 1978, the state of Colorado set aside Medicaid funding to provide poor women with abortions if they needed one. Which, great. Um, and in 2019, women in Colorado who were... Women in Colorado were eligible for temporary disability as a result of abortion or miscarriage, which I don't know how that's not already a thing. Like, you can't take time off if you have a miscarriage. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Fine. And so then Connecticut. There's a lot of these states that say they were the first state to make it decriminalized. So, like, whatever. (laughs) Apparently Connecticut was also the first state to make this decriminalized. Maybe they all... Oh, wait. No, I read it wrong. Connecticut was the first state in the nation to make abortion a criminal offense. Sorry. Opposite opposite they were the first state to make it a criminal offense events although they made up for it because apparently connecticut uses their own funds to cover all or most medically necessary abortions sought by low-income women under medicaid okay which is great and again they also have the law that allows qualified non-physicians to oh so theirs is only medical abortions so non they have the law that allows non-physicians to prescribe like the morning after drug or the 
like I think there's a drug you can take that's past the morning after that still causes an abortion but it's just a pill you take Mm -hmm. so again non-physicians can prescribe that and in August 2008 the state enforced a law to protect the right to have an abortion because that was around the point when Roe versus Wade started to get threatened Mm -hmm. so a lot of these states have put like preemptively put laws in place that basically say no matter what happens we have the laws that allow people to get abortions good And in 2019, the state law said, the decision to terminate a pregnancy prior to the viability of the fetus shall solely, I'm sorry, the fetus shall be solely that of the pregnant woman in consultation with her physician. That's fucking right. Yeah. So there's a lot of states that I'm quite shocked about. Like, there's a lot of states that are a lot more forward thinking than I thought they would be. And some that are not so much. (laughs) So Delaware. Um, So Republican legislative, legislative members introduced an abortion ban at week 20 in 2017. The Democratic-controlled legislature prevented this bill from even reaching the floor to vote. And in 2017, Senator Brian Townsend introduced legislation to try and make clear that abortion would remain legal in the state. So go, Senator Brian Townsend. Um, He also stated that Republican legislative efforts at the time... Um, oh, that were, like, trying to retaliate against his own bill. He, quote, said, They talk about issues as if it is not complicated, difficult, or heart-wrenching one for women. Was his quote about hearing some of these Republicans talk about it. Mm-hmm. And in early 2019, a bill was introduced and being debated over about whether abortion should be banned. Um, it proposed that the new date should be moved to 20 weeks instead of the regulated 24 to 8 weeks. Although it was likely to not pass, and as of May 14th, 2019, they just don't do late, like late-term abortions, like anything past 24 to 28 weeks, unless medically necessary, obviously. Oh, and then there is Mr. Bryant Richardson, which is trying to introduce a bill in 2019 to do the heartbeat bill of, like, hearing the heartbeat they have to hear before they can a- approve having an abortion, with his quote saying, it gives women all the information that's available to make a good decision. It's all about women's rights. Yeah. Bullshit. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, D.C. So, the District of Columbia, which... <laughs> I've definitely heard jokes about this one, but the District of Columbia has no laws in respect to abortion. The previous statute making abortion a criminal offense was repealed in 2004. Um, so, there's just, like, it's just unregulated. You can basically get an abortion however you want in D.C. Good. Um, you did every single state. We're only on the D's. I know. Okay. It gets shorter. There's a lot more in the beginning of the alphabet. Okay. okay. But yeah, so basically in D.C., you can do whatever you want, which I've heard many jokes about that because all the <laughs> politicians go there with all the affairs. They don't want them having kids. <laughs> hmm They don't want any restrictions on those abortions. But... Yeah. It's fine. Um, so Florida, and like some of these states, honestly, I have like a single line. Okay. So it's fine. Florida is not one of them. <laughs> Florida will never be one. Sorry. So, Florida repeatedly tries to pass laws banning abortion, and it just keeps getting rejected. Like, literally, it was, like, 83, 84, 94, 97, <laughs> 2001, 2000. Like, it was just so many. It was ridiculous. I had to write it down. They prohibit abortions after 24 weeks, along with Nevada and New York. And as of May this year, abortions could not take place after the fetus was viable, which, again, is the generally agreed upon 24 to 28 weeks um there were two fetal heartbeat bills filed in 2019 the bills which are identical by the way Mm -hmm. so i don't know why they're both being submitted make third make it a third degree felony for a doctor to perform an abortion on a woman after a a fetal heart rate is detected 
unless the woman has been diagnosed with a condition that would create a serious risk of substantial or irreversible impairment of major... Basically, they're just saying as soon as there's a heartbeat, you can't perform an abortion. It's a felony if a doctor does. Unless there's a medical reason. Yeah. Maybe. But it's only if it's serious risk of substantial and irreversible impairment of a major bodily function if the woman is delayed terminating her pregnancy. So that's very specific. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so Florida Governor Ron DeSantis has pledged to sign legislation that would ban abortions after a fatal heartbeat. Um, so go fucking hate on Ron DeSantis. Fuck you, Ron. In March of this year, they were both defeated. Good. In January 2012, Bobby Joe Rogers, 41, bombed an American family planning clinic in Pentecostal, Florida, with a Molotov cocktail, um, which just, like, set the entire building on fire. He told investigators that he was motivated to commit the crime by his opposition of abortion. And what really directly prompted it was seeing a patient enter the clinic during one of the frequent anti-abortion protests there. So he just saw someone go in the clinic and he was like, fuck you, that's the last straw, and threw a Molotov cocktail into the clinic. It is American Family Planning Clinic. I'm very certain they do more than abortion there. Yes, I'm sure they help people plan their fucking families. Like, I'm sure there's women going, like, what if that per- can you imagine if that person genuinely wanted to have a baby and she was going there to get advice about fertility? Yeah. Because that's a thing that they do in these clinics, guys. Yeah. He did that. Um, this clinic had also... <laughs> I feel so bad for these people who work here. The clinic had previously been bombed at Christmas in 84 and was the site of the murder of Dr. John Britton and James Barrett in 94. They... So, yeah, Dr. John Britton. So, James Barrett was his clinic escort, just, like, someone who assisted him to the like in the clinic. So, they were both shot to death outside the facility. And the person who shot them was Reverend Paul Jennings Hill. What? The- mm-hmm. He was he received the death sentence and was executed on September third, two thousand and three. Good. Um, the Army of God again published defensive action statement signed by more than two dozen supporters, saying that whatever force is legitimate to defend the life of an unborn child, or sorry, to defend the life of a born child is legitimate to defend the life of an unborn child. If, in fact, Paul Hill did kill or wound abortionist John Britton and clinic, clinic assistants James Barrett and Mrs. Barrett, because I guess James Barrett's wife was there as well, his actions are morally justified if they were necessar- necessary for the purpose of defending innocent human life. And again, this organization embraces their definition of being a terrorist group. Yeah. Great times. Georgia, which we've heard a lot about the Georgia because the basically all of Hollywood has pulled out of Georgia because mm-hmm. they actually like Georgia is kind of like here in Vancouver where there's a lot of filming that you don't know about but happens in Georgia and they have pulled out completely because Georgia has a ban on abortions now. So, um, so you're allowed to get an abortion in the terms of rape, medical necessity, physical harm to mom or baby. In 68, Georgia implemented the same rules of like rape, harm to mom, harm to baby. You're allowed, like, that, the moral code that I talked about before. Mm-hmm. But they removed the exception of incest. So in the cases of incest, you're not allowed to get an abortion. You still have to keep the baby. Because in Georgia, half the babies are conceived via I don't, incest, I don't, so. I don't know what to tell you. Like, why is incest okay? So, yeah. Please tell us if you live in Georgia. Please tell us why Please, incest is okay. I actually really like the South. Why do you have to disappoint me like this? Um, in the early 2000s, the state pan banned abortions before 22 weeks because they allegedly because oh it's the whole fetus can feel pain thing so you're not allowed to abort before 22 weeks 
or after 22 weeks. I think it's supposed to say after 22 weeks, and I just can't write. Um, the law, as of March 2019, required women wait 24 hours after their initial appointment, which, again, on paper sounds great, um, but I feel like it's just a, an excuse to guilt them. Mm-hmm. And then they would have the second appointment for the procedure. Um, again, this can be waived in the case of a medical emergency, which I feel like I don't know why we need to say that. I think that should just be accepted. And they must receive mandatory counseling. They had a six-week abortion ban slated to go into effect in 2019, which would make it illegal to obtain an abortion in the state. Again, once the heartbeat was detected, so at about six weeks. And it made no exception for rape or incest and mandates the penalty in prison for doctors who perform the procedure, um, noting that the, the women won't get arrested. There is an injunction injunction on this ban, though, so it has not gone into place. Okay. But this, this is the ban as to why, like, a lot of Hollywood has pulled out of Georgia. Mm-hmm. Um, so Hawaii. Hawaii and New York were one of the first two states in the U.S. to de- decriminalize abortion. Again, everyone seems to be the first <laughs> one to do this. Um, <clears throat> so... They only have one requirement along... Like, New York has this one as well. They only have one requirement for women seeking abortions... And that is that the abortion be performed by a licensed physician in an accredited hospital. That is it. Great. That is the only, like, rule you have to follow. You have to have, an, you have, to be, have lived in the state for 90 days. Like, you have to have, you have, to have been a resident for 90 days mm-hmm. for, to be able to use this. Um, and you are not required to provide a reason as to why you are seeking an abortion. Great. Mm-hmm. Because it's none of your damn business. Nope. And in 71, the state repealed its statute that said inducing an abortion was a criminal offense, but they don't do late-term abortions, same as most of these states, nothing past 24 to 28 weeks unless medically necessary. In Idaho, they again banned abortions. It says before 22 weeks. It must be the, like, around 20-week thing because mm-hmm. the fetus can feel pain. Is Allegedly. Allegedly. Um, again... Oh, no. So this is the first state. You'll hear me this, mention this in a couple of the other states. This is one of the first states that I mentioned where you, like, all the states you have to have informed consent. But the material given in this state, um, apparently when looked at, the materials used graphic and inflammatory language. Mm-hmm. So just great scare tactics, basically. Um, in Illinois, prior to 20, May 2019, the state law had not been updated since Roe versus Wade and officially banned abortions after 12 weeks. So basically up until May this year, you could not get an abortion after 12 weeks. But in February of this late year, legislatures introduced a bill to make abortion a person's right to have and remove. Um, So yeah, February this year, they just basically introduced laws to get rid of this 12-week ban. And it was demanded by May 2019 to move ahead with this bill. As a response to Alabama and Georgia's states cover <laughs> passing bills banning abortions. So basically they saw the other states being banning it and they were like, yeah, we're going to do the opposite. And like, oh, thank God, which is great. So go Illinois. Um, on May of this year, Illinois became the 11th state to pass bills protecting abortion rights. This is in response to anti-abortion legislation being passed elsewhere. Um, which I find like a lot. There's quite a few states actually doing that, and it's being it's been it's known as the Reproductive Health Act. Blah blah blah, and it does actually allow for some late-term abortions. Necessary. Mm-hmm. 
and it got rid of a 45-year-old law that made performing such abortions a criminal offense because apparently late-term abortions were still technically a criminal offense in that state, saying it was a fundamental right to have access to abortion services and that a fertilized egg, embryo, or fetus does not have independent rights. That's fucking right. And they... Oh, (laughs) This is not a happy... I was like, is this more laws? No. September 30th in 2000, John Earl, a Catholic priest, drove his car into Northern Illinois Health Clinic after learning that the FDA had approved the drug RU486, which is just an abortion law, abortion drug, um, and then he pulled out an axe to try and attack people, but, but was forced down to the ground by the owner of the building, who had fired two warning shots from a shotgun. I know that, like, Catholic priests are definitely not beyond reproach considering the number of them that have like raped and molested people under their supervision but Mm -hmm. like what the fuck notice the theme that all of these are church people (laughs) like it's literally one of the fucking ten commandments that you can't fucking kill people or you're gonna go to hell apparently they don't think these people are people you can't get forgiven for that sin Um, in Indiana, they are again another one of the ones that by 1950 legislation passed stating that if women asked about abortion, intrigued about abortion, considered getting an abortion, it was a criminal offense and she could go to jail. Um, they were one of many. <laughs> they passed a law in the 2000 banning abortions, again, around 22 weeks based on the fact that they can feel pain. <laughs> They passed a sex selective and disability abortion ban in 2016. So this banned abortions based solely on the fetus's gender, race, ethnicity, and detected disability. I mean, I agree with the, like, gender and race thing, but, like, the disability? Like, if it's going to yeah, be something Yeah, so the bill extreme. was set to go in effect in July 2016. Oh, it just didn't happen because it violated the right based on Roe versus Wade. But I think they were considering the disability part to be taken out. But, I mean, like, where I... Well, it's not where I grew up. It's where my parents lived when I was born. Mm-hmm. Up in Smithers. Not actually. We lived in Telco, but we say Smithers because people know where Smithers are. Most people still don't know where <laughs> Smithers are. But it's the bigger town. Yeah. Um, but up where we lived, there was a large... It was a small town. Like, it was small. <laughs> and there was quite a few um, East Indian families. Mm-hmm. But And so because of that, when you went for your ultrasound, like, you couldn't get it. You weren't allowed to get a gender reveal ultrasound. Like, they just wouldn't tell you what it was. Oh. So, like, you could still, like, abortion wasn't banned, mm-hmm. but, like, they just would not tell you the sex of your baby. Right. I don't know if this is still a thing, but I used to hear that they wouldn't tell you the sex of the baby until after you'd passed the point where you were allowed to get a legal abortion in some places. Um, I don't know. I have to... I don't actually remember how far along you have to be to tell the sex of the baby. Okay. There, there's blood tests you can do, but ultrasound-wise, they're pretty ineffective ineffective up to a, like up to a certain point mm-hmm. and even still like you could be nine months pregnant and they could still be wrong about yeah because i don't know if anyone's ever seen an actual ultrasound they hard to read yo <laughs> so yeah there's that um and then the this state also has republican majorities and wanted to push start pushing these laws through especially after brett kavanaugh was confirmed as a u.s supreme court judge so they're trying to push through these laws again In Iowa in 2017, the Republican-controlled state passed a bill that rejected millions of dollars in federal funding for Medicaid as part of their efforts to try and defund Planned Parenthood and any abortion services. So basically, they just rejected getting any sort of extra funding from Medicaid because they didn't want to give money to to Planned Parenthood. 
which doesn't make sense to me, but that's fine. Um, yeah, but like it does <laughs> to reject money for Planned Parenthood because they do abortions, like they do so much else, guys. And I know there's people who don't believe that, but like they do. Can you squiggle it? Um, so there's legislature that has successfully passed. Um, so again, they have the heartbeat legislation. So as soon as there's a heartbeat, you're allowed to not get an abortion. So about six weeks, um, they've been trying to pass it. They proposed it about 2018, 2019, but it was struck down in courts as it was too extreme. And as of mid April of this year, there is a law banning abortion after week 22. But in, they are also eligible for pregnancy accommodation and pregnancy-related disability as a result of legal abortion and miscarriage. And employers are required to offer unpaid leave if a woman did not have sufficient leave available up to the weeks. So basically saying they have to give them time off, whether it be paid or unpaid. Like, mm-hmm. you just physically have to give them time off. Mm-hmm. So if they worked enough, then it's paid. If they didn't, like you still have to give them time off. It's yeah. just unpaid. Um, in Kansas, lawmakers approved a sweeping anti-abortion law on April 6, 2013 that says life begins at fertilization and and forbids abortion based on gender and bans Planned Parenthood from providing sex education in school. So, good job, Kansas. What the fuck? Like, I don't... Okay, even... I don't know what to tell you. Even if you're, like... Even if I could get on board with the whole anti-abortion thing, which, like, obviously I can't, but, like, what? I will never understand, like... Not the teaching thing, kids, not about, teaching sex about education. kids about sex education. No, I, I, I don't just, get either. you know, like you can kind of like wrap your head around how people argue against abortion, but like not how you can argue against sex education. I, I literally, I don't understand how people can't teach the kids about sex. Like I, some, I think some, it's because some people are like, oh, if we talk to them about sex, they're more likely to have sex. No, they're gonna have it anyways. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You're going to have sex no matter what. Maybe, actually, if you describe to them how gross sex really is in sex real is life. Actually, I mean, it's lovely. I enjoy it. But, like, but, like sex is also so kind of gross. So maybe if you tell them that, then they'll be like, mm, that goes where? Let's not. <laughs> um, also, maybe people's, like, first experiences won't be so bad. Yeah. No kidding. They won't be so uncomfortable. They'll understand that it's meant to be a little bit weird and awkward. And, like, as long as you're okay with it, it's going to go fine. There's still times where me and Nathan go to, like, have sex, and it's awkward and weird. We've been together for two years. Like, human bodies are weird. I don't know a single person who doesn't fucking agree with that. Human bodies are weird. They're gross. They are. Like, so gross. Especially when you start to get old. Oh, God, I know, right? There's just a lot more jiggling than it used to. It's fine. Anyway... Um, also in 2017, Kansas became the first state to ban the DNA procedure that we talked about, but this law was later struck down by the Court of Appeals in January 2016 without ever having gone into effect. And in April 2019, um, uh, oh no, but in 2019 of April, Kansas Supreme Court affirmed the lower court's decision and ruled that the right to abortion is inherent within the state's constitution and bill of rights. Um, stating that even if Roe and Wade was overturned, the federal protection of abortion rights is withdrawn. The right would still be allowed within Kansas, barring a charge in the state constitution. Hell so, yes. Yeah, basically, they tried to ban it and then moved up, got like struck down saying, no, you can't ban this. And then it, when it moved up, got brought to the Kansas Supreme Court, um, they were like, nope, this is correct. And then basically stating if it ever got overturned, 
they would still allow abortion again stating barring the change in state constitution mm-hmm. which no, doesn't yeah. really happen that often so and again they also have the 22 week pain ban so you you can get abortion before about 22 weeks mm-hmm. in Con- oh kentucky is a long one okay kentucky in 74 um they adopted a law preventing public hospitals from performing abortions Except to protect the life of the mother, that law was later ruled unconstitutional, but the state legislature passed a new version of the law in 1960, or 1980. Um, so yeah, so in 74, they tried to ban hospitals from doing abortions, then they ruled it was unconstitutional, but then they passed basically the exact same law in 1980. Okay. In 83, the court ruled that a seven-month-old fetus killed by a man during an attack on his wife could not be defined as a person under the model penal code. In response to this court's ruling, Democratic State Representative Carl Nett introduced fetal homicide bill in 1986, and the bill passed in the House, and but was not considered in the Senate, which, like, I get and, like, is great, but then it can be used on both sides, because, like, again, that is the argument of, like, if we consider a baby a life when someone murders a human being and they are pregnant, why don't we count it as a life when that person goes to abort? But, like... But isn't seven months at the point where, like, you can't anymore because it's a late term? So, if a woman wants to abort her baby, that's fucking murder. But if a man literally stabs you in the stomach and murders your baby... Did she die, too? Yeah. Yeah. So, if a man murders... Then that's not. No. Which is why he put this law into place, which is great. But, like, also, I can see, like, anti-choice people using it. Um, In 82, Kentucky General Assembly Democrat will... Donna Meyer Sr. introduced a bill placing several restrictions and conditions on abortion, including parental consent was required before an abortion could be performed on a minor, husbands must be informed if their wives underwent an abortion, and a woman seeking an abortion must wait 24 hours before having the procedure and must provide be provided with information on fetal development and abortion alternatives, and doctors must document the reasons for giving an abortion, um, despite the opinion of the then Attorney General Steve Bashir holding that the law was not constitutional and it was enact- but it was still enacted in legislature. So that's cool. So if wives go get an abortion because they're in an abusive relationship, they have like the, they the have government tells their husband. husband no. yeah, yeah, it's great. Um, although the ACLU filed suit against the law in June '82, preventing it from becoming effective, and in September 1984, they. The ju- oh, the U.S. District Judge Charles Mingal Allen struck down the law's provisions, and in 86, General Assembly passed legislation again requiring parental consent for minors seeking an abortion, and the law required consent of... Oh, this law just specifically said it actually only needed consent of the custodial parent if, like, the parents are divorced and one parent doesn't have, like, rights. Mm-hmm. So that's the only one they need, which, it, that's fine, that makes sense. Um, and then the only thing is, is 98, they passed legislation that requires clinics have an abortion care license, so they have to apply for a license, which I'm sure is a bitch to get. I'm sure. And that they also have to have a transfer agreement between the clinic and the hospital for that if something happens, but, like, it is so rare that something happens, and that agreement is usually hard to keep. Mm-hmm. Um, they are also trying to pass a fetal heartbeat law. And prior to 2019, Kentucky law prohibited abortions before 22 weeks based on the pain thing. And then it was changed to pass. Nope, sorry. Then it was changed to move the prohibition to week six earlier this year. So the heartbeat bill passed, which is great. 
in Louisiana in 2006, Governor Kathleen Blanco, so again, another female, which is great, signed a trigger ban on most forms of abortion once it passed the state legislature. Um, (laughs) Again, unless the mother was in danger. And although she felt exclusions for a rape and incest would have been reasonable, she felt she should not veto based on those reasons. Right. Why would you? Nope. They're not. They're not good enough. Mm-mm. It's it's fine. So this trigger law would only go into effect if the Supreme Court reversed Roe versus Wade. And again, like you said, I don't know how that how they're allowed to do that. It was in two thousand and six. Like I don't know how that's possible, I don't, I but don't it understand. is. Um, the trigger law would go into effect. Blah blah blah. Louisiana's measure would allow the prosecution of I can't talk. Would allow the prosecution of any person who's performed or aided an abortion, and it includes up to ten years in jail and a maximum fine of a hundred thousand dollars. You know, I'm pretty sure people who uh, rape people don't get ten years in jail. Nope. No. <clears throat> so they also passed a law in 2014, modeled after one passed earlier in Texas, that required any doctor performing an abortion also have admittance privileges to an authorized hospital within a 30-mile radius of the abortion clinic. So basically, if your clinic wasn't within 30 miles of a hospital, you couldn't, like, that you had to close. Like, your clinic had to be within 30 miles of a hospital, and that doctor had to have admitting rights at the hospital, which I'll get into. So this is, this state is what's causing the issue this year, so I'll come back to this state, but... So the Fifth Circuit reversed the district's findings. Wait, hold up. So the district court, sorry, ordered an injunction on this law saying, like, it's unconstitutional. The Fifth Circuit of Appeals Court, which is the one that runs, like, the state is under, like, I had to look this up. So appeals courts are by circuits, so they cover, like, a handful of states. So there's, like, then they're numbered. So the Fifth Circuit is the one that covers Louisiana. So you'll just hear, like, numbered circuits, but it's just, like, the appeals court for that state region. They just cover, they cover a couple states. For anyone wondering what that means. So the Fifth Circuit Appeals Court reversed this decision of this injunction and allowed the co- the lock to come into effect later in 2014. Um, but the plaintiffs petitioned the su- Supreme Court, who granted an emergency stay of the Fifth Circuit's order pending the results of Texas litigation, which I'll get into. Um, but the Fifth Circuit reversed this district's finding and prepared to allow the law to come back in February 2019. So basically, like, Texas figured its shit out, and then, I'll talk about it in Texas, but, like, Texas, like, they lost, like, Texas lost for this ban, but then Louisiana was like, never mind, it's okay, we don't need to follow their rule, we can still put this ban in place. So in February of this year, which is why it's now being partisan, and I'll talk about it later, um, saying that it's different from the Texas as they found physicians in Louisiana had not tried any steps to qualify for the allowance, as in, like, getting approval from hospitals for admitting, getting their admitting allowance and stuff like that at the hospitals. So this is going towards the Supreme Court, which we'll talk about later. In Maine, they passed abortion-related legislation in 93 that said women have the right to terminate pregnancy before viability. Um, They need to be performed by a licensed physician, that's it. And in August 2018, the state had a law to protect the right to an abortion. And they just don't do late term. So exactly what we need. That's it. That's it. That's all what every state should say. That, that is yeah. what every state should say, but it is not. Uh, Maryland, in August of this year, the state also created a law to protect the right to have an abortion. They allow non-physician qualified practitioners to write prescriptions for abortion medications. And in February of this year... 
Robin Grammer Jr. filed a bill entitled Keep Our Hearts Beating Act oh, Jesus Christ. to try and enact a heartbeat law. It did not it did not go well. And in 2019, former Maryland House Speaker Michael Bush proposed an amendment to the state's constitution to enshrine the right for a woman to have an abortion, basically saying they want to make it part of the state's constitution that a woman has a right to an abortion. And his replacement, Maryland House Speaker Adrian Jones, said she would try to reintroduce, reintroduce the amendment in 2020 in response to the abortion bans in Alabama and Georgia. So, great people. Go, you guys. In the state that will all hate me because I cannot pronounce it, Massachusetts. Um, what it, say that one more time? Nope. <laughs> in 2007... I've never been able to pronounce it. In 2007, the legislature passed a law that established a 35-foot buffer zone around abortion clinics, which means anti-abortion protests cannot be within 35 feet of the clinic. Hell yeah, Massachusetts. Yep. I mean, they still protest around those 35 feet, but, like, at least there's a buffer zone. So that, like, if you someone comes to pick you up, you're not getting fucking harassed as you're walking into the goddamn clinic. Mm-hmm. Um, again, they don't do late term, and the law stated no abortion may be performed except by a physician and only if necessary to save the life of a mother for, like, late term. So, like, they will do it if medically necessary, but no late term. In Michigan, so Michigan is the only state with detailed information on the statute and laws and, like, what, like, all the medical information required, like, for informed consent. They provide it all on a website. (gasps) They're the only state that has this. So if you go to the state website about like pregnancy and uh, and everything, it will give you information on abortion. It will give you information on how it relates, depending on how far along you are in your pregnancy. Like it gives you all the information just on their website. Shocking. Right. Um, it's also one of the only state that has written informed consent like you must give consent informed consent materials, but it does not require abortion providers to give the patients like informed information about abortion alternatives Mm -hmm. so it's up to the doctor's discretion like if you're talking to someone who seems like they're unsure about getting an abortion you are more than welcome to give them information about alternatives to abortion but if they are very set they've done their research and they know what they're talking about you have no requirement on your website (laughs) yeah but like if they seem like they know what they're talking about and stuff like you have no requirement to give them any more information about alternatives of abortion which is great um, but they do have a ban on DNE where they specified criminal sentences for two years for anyone who performed this type of abortion procedure, which I think is specifically in the sense of like as an abortion and not as like a removal of a stillborn or right. something like that. Okay. Um, in Minnesota, they also had the 1950 ban stating that any woman who sought information, regardless of whether they went through with it, is a guilty of a criminal offense. And they do have the 28 week ban based on the fact that the baby may feel pain, which is great, whatever. In Mississippi, in 66, the legislature made abortion legal in cases of rape, but nothing else. So and in, no, so incest, no. In 72, they started to include incest. Oh, okay. So in 66, it was in rape. In 72, included incest. In November 2011, the personhood amendment defined a personhood as beginning at the moment of fertilization, cloning, or the functional equivalent thereof, but it was rejected by 55% of voters. So just barely, but still rejected. And in 2018, Mississippi House passed a bill that outlawed abortion after 15 weeks, which whatever, that's way too early, but that's fine. And on March 22nd, 2019, a fetal heartbeat bill was passed. 
In Missouri, 2015, the state was one in five where legislature introduced a bill that would have banned abortion in almost all cases. It did not pass. In 2016, the state legislature passed a law that said facilities providing abortions needed to be a licensed ambulatory surgical centers, which makes no sense because majority of abortions are just chemical abortions and not operating abortions, but that's fine. And they would also have to have hospital admitting privileges. In 28 or 2019, sorry, state legislature passed a law that would make abortion illegal in almost all cases after eight weeks. And in 2019, women in Missouri are eligible for the accommodation and pregnancy-related disability as a result of legal abortion and miscarriage, and that they are not to be discriminated against based on this. But if you can't get an abortion after eight weeks, I don't understand why that's relevant. Like, it's mainly to do for miscarriage, which is great. Like, that's awesome. I'm not bashing that. That's wonderful that you provide that for women. But you can't get an abortion after eight weeks, so, like, what are you going to do? And, like, if you are getting an abortion after weeks, chances are you were having, like, life-threatening issues. So, like, hell yeah, you should get time off. Like, come on. Mm -hmm. In Montana, in 97, the state passed a law that said only physicians could perform abortions, but after a lawsuit, they did allow nurse practitioners to perform certain abortions, and as of present day, non-physicians are, qualified non-physicians are allowed to write prescriptions for abortions, as well as do the aspiration abortions, and they don't do late term, so they're like, they're pretty, they're all right. Um, in Nebraska, they also have the pain law, not after 20 weeks, because apparently children can, they can feel pain at 20 weeks. So it was 20 weeks in 2018, although in 2019 it was changed to 22 weeks. In Nevada, like I said, some of these are just like two lines. In Nevada, in 2018, the state introduced, they also introduced a state that is, you have the right to an abortion, whether Roe versus Wade gets overturned or not. There is no late-term abortion, and the law also requires that abortions be done by licensed physicians, which I don't understand how that's not a law in like all states, but that's fine. Um, well, in, is it the licensed, is it because some states it's licensed physicians or like licensed non-physician practitioners? Maybe, maybe. And maybe it's all the ones that are actually like legal to do abortion, mm-hmm. like very legal to do abortions. They're like, just like licensed physicians, make sure they're trained. Mm-hmm. And I think they're saying licensed physicians because you need specific training to do, like you can be a doctor and still not know how to do an yeah, abortion. Yeah. That's why I don't understand like why, <laughs> like you need to be licensed. Come on. Mm-hmm. So, and then they have a stipulation in it that says if the abortion is taken place after 24 weeks, the procedure needs to be done in a hospital, which that makes sense. That's fine. And then in May 2019, they passed, they, oh, in May 2019, they completely abolished criminalization of abortion in any, like, in any given case. Oh, also in 2018, included in the abortion laws, they told providers that they no longer need to tell women the emotional implications of having an abortion. Like, you can feel it out do what you need as a doctor which is great and there is a quote from one of the like nevada politicians i didn't write his name down i'm sorry that says nevada has a long history of trusting the women of our state to make their own reproductive health care decisions and protecting the right of reproductive freedom which is like yes can more people think like this hallelujah like i'm sorry i didn't write your name down sir i wanted (laughs) to benefit you but i was rushing to finish this sorry by the ends, I was like, God, just get everything. But props to you, sir. But like, yeah, props to you, sir, and Nevada. In New Hampshire, legislatures are continually trying to chip away from the abortion rights with more than 30 bills coming in before the body between 2015 and 2019. And the fetal homicide bill was signed by Governor Chris Sumunu passing in 2017 but they do have the rule that non-physicians can do prescription as well as aspiration abortions but they are trying to get rid of that 
in New Jersey in 2015. Oh, yeah, I liked New Jersey. (laughs) So in March 2015, New Jersey governor and U.S. Republican presidential primary candidate Chris Christie, so go fuck him, (laughs) um, because don't get me started. So he issued a state issued a state to Susan B. Anthony List where he supported a 20-week abortion ban, which is whatever. Um, but in response to, like, because of George, the Georgia ban and, like, a lot of states, a lot of, like, not just Hollywood, a lot of companies are pulling out of those states, like, mm-hmm. closing down their offices and, and leaving the states because they don't agree with these bans. Mm-hmm. So in response to this... Um, What's his name? Governor Phil Murray of New Jersey's quoted saying, New Jersey is open for business for any company that, given the assault on women's right, choose to perpetuate. Sorry. New Jersey is open to business for any company that, given the assault on a woman's right to choose perpetuated by states like Alabama and Georgia, is seeking a home that recognizes a basic constitutional right. New Jersey offers not only a hospitable business climate, but also maintains its progressive values, which include defending a woman's right to choose. Which, it's fucking hilarious to me. Hilarious. (laughs) Like he's just basically like, "Hi everyone, look at how great New Jersey is. We have a great business climate, and on top of that, we believe in women's reproductive rights. Like just full taking advantage of these companies pulling out of these states." But, like, at the same time, like, yes, that, promote that shit, yo. Yeah, it's a smart political move, smart business move. It's great. Great. Good for you. Right? Go Governor Phil Murphy. Um, again, they have the law that allows non-physicians to do prescription um, abortions, and there's laws also existing that allow women to drop off newborn infants in certain designated locations without providing their contact information and without facing legal consequences for child abandonment. So they have set locations that if you cannot, like, for whatever reason, you couldn't get an abortion and you had a baby, and you cannot sustain this baby without any sort of legal repercussions, you are able to just leave your baby there and it will be taken care of. Mm-hmm. Which I don't understand how that doesn't exist in more places, but... I mean, like, can you... Like, I don't know how it works, but isn't that, like, what orphanages are for? Or, like, adoption centers? Like, or I guess maybe... Where are there orphanages anymore, Liz? Well, I don't know. We don't have orphanage centers anymore. We don't have orphanages anymore? I don't think so. Where do all the orphans go? I don't know. (laughs) Okay. Shitty homes and foster care? Yeah, okay. But I think, like, the thing is, like, a lot of kids, like, their parents have, like, abandonment charges and stuff like that. Like, so they won't get charged for abandonment, basically, if they get dropped off at, like, these very specific sites, which is, I think, like, hospitals, police stations, fire stations, Mm -hmm. usually. Um, In New Mexico in 1969, they have a law that made it a felony for someone to provide a woman with an abortion unless it was to save the woman's life or because of... Because her pregnancy was a result of incest or rape. Although it is unenforced... Like, this law is still present, but is unenforceable due to Roe versus Wade. So and you're telling twi- me that in the home of High School Musical, women can't get abortions? Nope. I bet you a bunch of those wildcats are going to have unwanted pregnancies. Probably. There was definitely, like, a lot of sex happening behind the scenes yeah. of those movies. In 2019, they considered repealing this law. Um, and although the House of Representatives passed the repeal with... The vote, it was defeated in the state Senate with a vote of 24 to 18, and they do also have the law that allows non-physicians to prescribe abortion beds. Um, in New York, there was a lady named Madame Aristal who opened business that performed abortions in the 1830s. Hmm. Um, her business remained open for around 35 years, 
And from what I read, I can't tell if she was she actually went to France and trained with a like doctor or that's just something she told people. Mm-hmm. But like it seemed like she was doing them properly, but I don't know. Okay. Um, so she also had branches in several other cities, including Boston and Philadelphia, as well as traveling agents working for the company who sold her female monthly pills that did not work. <laughs> Um, and despite making a fortune from this business, her activities scandalized in New York society. I bet. Yep. Not specifically due to her, but like a lot of illegal clinics, New York saw a number of women dying during the 1860s and the 1870s as a result of unskilled abortionists. Yeah. Oh, and then there was a poly- like a lady named Margaret Sager in 1918 that was charged under the New York law for ad- like basically for advocating contraceptive information. But on appeal, she was legally, um, her conviction, her conviction was basically reversed on appeal on the grounds that contraceptive devices, um, could also cure and prevent other diseases, which is still true to this day. You get prescribed those things for more than just birth control. And the New York legislature amended their abortion-related statute in 1965 to allow more therapeutic exceptions. There is no resident time frame in New York. And in 2019, New York passed a Reproductive Health Act which repealed a pre-row provision that banned third trimester abortions except in cases where it was necessary and stated the law oh stated that they find the comprehensive reproductive health care including contraception and abortion is a fundamental component of women's health privacy and equality great go new york this bill also allowed qualified health professional professionals to sorry health care practitioners to perform abortions and not just licensed medical doctors so not again more accessibility which is great Great. as long as they're licensed and they maintain the standard that is required Mm -hmm. and they ruled against floating buffer zones which would prevent protesters from approaching people entering or leaving abortion clinics was unconstitutional although they did vote for fixed buffer zones around clinics themselves Okay. So floating is just like the idea that they would like follow someone outside the clinic and keep like right. I, they didn't say that was okay, which mm-hmm. like that's still not okay. That's stalking someone mm-hmm. and harassment, which is why I think they probably voted against it because there's already laws that do that. Mm-hmm. But they did approve a buffer zone around the clinic themselves. In North Carolina, it prohibits abortion after 20 weeks. This is still in place. In North Dakota, they had the same law by the 50s that said it was a criminal offense to even ask about abortion. And apparently, according to North Dakota, at 10 weeks, the fetus now has a distinct human appearance and that eyelids are formed. And that you must be told this. So eyelids are the, like, defining aspect of humanity? I don't like, know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, apparently, these materials given for informed consent also state that at 14 weeks, the fetus is able to swallow and sleeps and awakens. Which is accurate, but irrelevant to whether you can abort your child. Yeah. I think is accurate. I know those are both things that actually do happen with the baby in the womb, but I don't know when it happens. Anyway. Because I know you're... Because, like, I know they're able to swallow because they also get hiccups. Because you can get... Your baby can get hiccups in the womb. Well, that sounds irritating. But also adorable. <laughs> um. Oh, for fuck's sakes. Stop it. Okay. What was I on? North Dakota. North Dakota. Um... There is a Personhood of Children Act, which aims to provide equality and rights to all human beings at every stage of biological development. Except women. (laughs) Yep. 
Um, this could eliminate all types of abortion for nearly any reasons in the state of North Dakota and would allocate rights to the pre-born, partially born, um, if it was passed and would likely be used to challenge Roe versus Wade. And in 2013, Governor Jack Dalrymple of North Dakota signed a law that was presented to him by the legislature that would have banned abortions um, after six weeks of her missed period. Not six weeks of conception, six weeks after her missed period. She would no longer be allowed to get an abortion. Mm-hmm. That's great. Um, I feel like we've said good and it's great a lot in this episode. And it's not good. It's good or great. It's not. <laughs> um, in Ohio, the, which I thought was a fairly liberal state, apparently I was fucking wrong. No, Ohio um, they did have a heartbeat law set to be put towards the floor, but they shelved it due to the worry about the controversy, controversy that would happen because of it. But a related law was signed in Ohio in 2013 by John Cash, so go fucking hate on him, mm-hmm. which mandates, among other things, that um, doctors who do not test for a fetal heartbeat would be subject to p- criminal penalties. Specifically, and I quote, the doctor's failure to do so would be a first-degree misdemeanor carrying up to six months in jail for the first violation and a fourth-degree felony carrying up to 18 months in jail for subsequent violations. So basically, there is no heartbeat law that says they can't abort after six weeks, but they legally have to look for a heartbeat when they go to abort a baby. Okay. So just more guilting of the mother. Although they did bring back the law for the fetal heartbeat back like this year in 2019 it has been signed it is slated to go in effect in july of this year to make it illegal after a heartbeat has been detected um no exceptions for cases of rape and incest were made and in 2019 a federal judge did block this law though and in november of this year a bill introduced by candace keller and robin hood House Bill 413 bans abortion outright and requires doctors to re-implant an ectopic pregnancy, which, according to medic, according to obstetrician and gynecologists, is currently impossible. Was it? Were we talking about this before, like last week? No, maybe I was talking about. I was talking about it with David. Never mind. He couldn't remember what ectopic pregnancy was. Oh yeah. So if anyone doesn't know what an ectopic pregnancy is, it's when. When you get pregnant, the most common place for implant... Well, not for implanting. Sorry. The most common place for the sperm to enter the egg is in the fallopian tubes. I swear I work in medicine. (laughs) Um, Is in the fallopian tubes, and then it travels down into your uterus and then implants into your uterus. Unfortunately, because the most common place is in the fallopian tubes, sometimes it implants in your fallopian tubes... And then the fetus starts to grow inside or outside the fallopian tubes. And that is not good for you because the fallopian tube is a tiny, skinny little tube that is not meant to stretch like that. And your uterus is a nice little triangle sac that is nice and stretchy and built to stretch like that. So usually they don't keep ectopic pregnancies. Sometimes they can carry them to term, but not usually. So yeah, so apparently they introduced these two people, Candace Keller and Robin Hood, introduced a blah, or a bill to be voted on that would ban just outright. And they said that you had to re-implant ectopic pregnancies which is impossible literally no one named robin hood should be taken seriously like it's he should ron not... hood but that's okay it's ron hood oh i thought you said robin no. hood no okay. no well, but don't trust a robin still, hood either yeah <laughs> um in oklahoma in 2016 they passed a bill to criminalize abortion for providers potentially charging them with up to three years in prison don't know how but it's fine 
And on May 2016, the governor... Oh, yeah. So they... The legislature passed this bill. And then on May 20th, 2016, Governor Mary Fallon vetoed this bill before it could become a law, saying the wording is too vague to withstand legal challenge. And they also had the 1950 law that stated if a woman asked for information, she was criminally offense. They have the 22-week pain ban, stating babies can feel pain, and the informed consent materials given were used in graphic and inflammatory language. Can you tell that I'm summarizing because I've said these things a whole bunch? Stop using graphic and inflammatory language. It's not nice. Be nice to these women. They're already going through a lot. It's a very difficult decision. (laughs) In 2009, their laws overturned the federal... Oh, wait... Oh, a 2009 law was overturned by federal court in 2010, which would have required doctors to report information from a 37-question form about the woman receiving the abortion to state health department. And I'm not kidding about this. This 37-question form was to be submitted for publication on online registry. What the actual fuck? Yeah, the reason it did not get passed was a lawyer for the Center of Reproductive Rights... Um, challenged the law, saying that it would be, because it was such a detailed questionnaire, it could have public potential, potentiality, identi- sorry, public potentially identifying details about the women, mm-hmm. and that it was actually being intended to dissuade women from seeking abortions. Um, so basically he just said, like, it's not, it's not constitutional yeah, because, it's a privacy like, issue. Yeah, basically. Yeah. So the law was, like, gotten rid of, but a man named Tom, sorry, Todd Lamb, who sponsored the law as a senate, state senator called it essential in protecting the sanctity of life and that it is pro-life. Shut the fuck up. Yeah, it's great. In Oregon, the state has a law that they put in in 1971 required that any woman getting a legal abortion in the state needs to be a resident between 30 to 90 days, which is fine. Um, they have non-physicians... Qualified non-physicians are able to do aspiration abortions as well as prescription abortions... And they have the Reproductive Health Equity Act, which was passed in 2017, that required health insurance to offer abortion coverage and to absorb most of the cost for the procedure instead of passing them along to the women. Yay! Which is great. Um, And in August 2018, the state had a law to protect the right to have an abortion because, again, starting about last year was when Roe versus Wade started to become into a question, so a lot of states put these laws into place. And as of May 2019, Oregon is the only state in the nation to have no legal restrictions on abortion except for District of Columbia, mm-hmm. which is a state but isn't a state. Um, in Pennsylvania, in 2011, Mr. Kermit Gosnell, a licensed doctor who provided abortion services in America, in the in Pennsylvania, was indicted on a grand jury of murder charges after a woman died in his clinic because they found that the conditions of his clinic were not only unsanitary, but he had also staffed his clinic with unlicensed individuals, and he had also commonly conducted the lesser-known practice of severing the spinal cords of newly born babies. What the fuck? Mm -hmm. I have no more information about that, but that's what happened. Okay. Which is great. Also never trust somebody named Kermit. Yep. Um, The Abortion Control Act was passed in Pennsylvania in 82, and the law required women seeking an abortion to wait 24 hours before getting an abortion, and required informed consent of parents for minors for children and husbands for married women, which is bullshit, but that's fine. And as of May 2019, the state prohibited abortions after the after the considered 20 week 24 week viability in Rhode Island in May 20 sorry May 14th 2019 the state prohibited abortions after 24 weeks as well as 
They do also have a law on the books banning abortion after 12 weeks, but it is not enforceable because of Road versus Way. But again, if that gets overturned, it will become enforceable. In South Carolina, Governor Nikki Hanley signed legislation that brought into effect a 20-week abortion ban in 2016 with a ceremonial signing in front of the cameras where she was surrounded by children with disabilities. Oh my god. Yep. Just twist that guilt key. Just twist it in. As well as Republican Representative Grev Delaney, he was the lead sponsor of South Carolina's law requiring that women view an ultrasound of a fetus before being allowed to have an abortion. He said the ultrasound would enable the woman to determine for herself whether she was carrying an unborn child deserving of protection or whether it was just an inconvenient, unnecessary part of her body. Mm-hmm. Her body. Yep. Her body. Yep. But you have to get that ultrasound to make that decision. By the way, when we say ultrasound, like, these are early ultrasound. This isn't, like, the kind where you see on TV where they, like, put the lotion on their tummy and they, like, scan the tummy. No, these are intervaginal because the babies are so small, which means you get a little prodder stuck up your vagina to, like, view the baby. Yeah. May I point out, now that I'm already in the S's. It's, like, it's not bad pap test. Yeah, basically. Um, in mid-May of this year, the state law banned abortion after week 22, and in April, oh yeah, so which also would count as if they also passed a fetal heartbeat law, which again is unenforceable until Roe versus Wade is swapped. In South Dakota, they also had the 50s law that said it was a criminal offense to ask about abortion for women. Oh, uh, in South Dakota, they require that a patient obtain mandatory counseling from an anti-abortion crisis pregnancy center during the time frame of, like, waiting, because they also have the time frame that you have to wait between your initial consult and when you can have the abortion. So not that you have to have counseling, specifically counseling from an anti-abortion crisis pregnancy center. Which, by the way, I did not know this. If you've seen the posters for it, because they have them here in Vancouver... If anything is considered a crisis pregnancy center, chances are they're anti-abortion. Interesting. Good stuff. Fun fact. Um, South Dakota legislature also passed a law in 2006 that banned abortion in the state, which again is unenforceable because of Roe versus Wade. Um, they also have informed consent packages containing materials using graphic and inflammatory language. The law also requires that a woman be told how far along she is in her pregnancy. And... Oh, their informed consent materials also include telling women that having an abortion may cause suicidal thoughts, which is fine. That's a, that's a fair thing to tell a woman because it is probably a side effect that can happen. Or that they may experience post-abortion traumatic, se- post-abortion traumatic stress syndrome, which is not recognized by the American Psychological <laughs> Association. I'm going to say I never heard of that one. No, but I do think for abortions, they are told that they may get postpartum because I right. think that is a possible outcome. But again, you get that whether you have the baby or not, and it has everything to do with the imbalance of hormones of the baby. Basically, babies wreak havoc on your body, and when you remove them, either through abortion or birth, you wreak more havoc on your body. Mm-hmm. That's it. It has nothing to do specifically with abortion. I'm just pointing that out. Um, In 2008, South Dakota also passed another anti-abortion law banning abortion in all cases except for rape, incest, and the health of the woman. Again, not really enforceable because of Roe versus Wade. And Planned Parenthood, again, successfully challenged this, because the first one they challenged as well, with a ballot initiative instead of going through the courts, which I think they 
won both, which is so the law doesn't actually happen. And the state does have a law on the books as of August 28th that would be triggered if Roe versus Wade was overturned to ban abortions. And they also have a law that prohibits state funds from being used for abortions unless there is a therapeutic reason for the abortion. As of May 2019, the state law banned abortions after week 22. In 22, or sorry, in Tennessee, abortion is technically legal, which, I mean, in all the states, they're technically legal. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a funny point. I'm pretty sure it's for a bunch of other states, but specifically for Tennessee, this was written. One of the biggest groups who oppose abortion is women is white evangelical women Christians, Mm -hmm. female Christians. These women voted overwhelmingly for Trump, with 80% of these voters supporting him at the ballot box in 2016. Fuck off. Um, Which made me giggle. And in 2013, the state had targeted regulation abortion providers, which is these trap laws that had provisions related to admitting privileges and licensing. They required clinics have hospital privileges and transfer agreements with a hospital to be able to provide abortions. And as of May 14th, 2019, the state prohibited abortions after the fetus was viable. Again, the regular Roe versus Wade 24 to 28 weeks. Though in the last couple of years, they have been trying to pass a heartbeat bill. Mm-hmm. And just on the other side of things, in 2015, 31-year-old Anna Yoka was charged with the attempted first-degree murder as she was trying to give herself an illegal bo- abortion using a coat hanger. So she was charged with first-degree murder for that, which Aww. makes me sad, but also... Yeah. Anyway. So in Texas, this is going to be a long one. I'm sorry. Okay. I have a kitty now. So are you happy? I'm happier. Listening to this horrible article? Yeah. So abortion, again, is technically legal in Texas. Um, It was made illegal in the state in the 1900s, with the exception of therapeutic abortions in the 1950s. In the early 2000s, the state passed a parental notification law. In 2007, the state passed a mandatory ultrasound bill and then was and then started funding women's reproductive health programs that did not include abortion services. This is government-funded, by the way. And tried to cut off any state funding to facilities for reproductive services if they offered abortion services. So no matter what else they did, if they offered abortion, they weren't allowed to get state funding. They attempted to ban abortion in all cases in 2007, and by 2009, the legislature was actively trying to defund Planned Parenthood. In 1964, Texas passed an abortion law that made... Anyone performing an abortion except for the case of preserving the life of a mother, a criminal offense punishable by two to five years in prison. It did have a provision that anyone who provided medication or other means to assist in performing an abortion would also be considered an accomplice to this and would be charged as such. Following the U.S. Supreme Court ruling in Roe v. Wade in 1973, which, yep, that's how long ago Roe v. Wade was, with 1973, and this is still an issue, the state of Texas decided to not repeal abortion laws that were on the books that had become unconstitutional or unenforceable. So basically, they had all these laws about anti-abortion, and mm-hmm. they just didn't get rid of them. They just kept them on the books, and I was like, well, I guess we can't do anything, but they're still here. Um, a law passed in 92 that said only Texas-licensed physicians could perform an abortion in the state. A law passed in 97 gave, phys- gave physicians, nurses, and healthcare provider er, employees and hospital employees who object to abortions the ability to refuse participation either directly or indirectly with this procedure. So if you were any of these kind of professions, if you didn't agree with abortion, you didn't have to do it. That's not... That's... You can't... 
You can do that here. I have a doctor in my office who refused to refer someone for an abortion. She was very upset. I had to send her to a different doctor, but... How is that? It's their choice. They're that doesn't choose. seem legal. Like... They're allowed to choose what they do. Like, I have a doctor that refuses to do allergy shots because they think it is... It doesn't work. Okay. All private hospitals were allowed to refuse the use of their facilities to provide abortion services unless a physician determined that the pregnant woman's life was in danger. And there was no state funding that could be used to support either directly or indirectly abortion or abortion-related issues. Funds allocated by the Department of Health for family planning services could not be used by the Department of Health or any organization it provides money to in support of abortion services, either directly or indirectly. This includes a provision that said this was organization-wide and not just relates to specific facilities. So let's say Planned Parenthood has five offices and one of those offices does abortions. They will not give state funding to any of Planned Parenthood's mm-hmm. offices, mm-hmm. which is fucking stupid. Yep. Um, originally, there was a law about genetic testing that had no mention of abortion, although legislation was amended by the Senate stating that genetic testing of a fetus could not be done on a fetus without the consent of the mother, which, that doesn't, like, that seems fine, mm-hmm. and that the results of any subsequent genetic testing could not be used to compel or coerce a woman into getting an abortion including having an insurance company threaten the eligibility of care coverage, which, like, that's kind of makes sense to me, but I think they're also stating that, like, a woman can't use it as a reason to get an abortion as well. Okay. Like, they're stating as, like, they're doing it to protect women, but I think mm-hmm. if a woman went to say, like, oh, my baby has a genetic condition, I want an abortion, they could be like, someone's forcing you, they're not allowed to do that. Right. And she could be like, no, they're not, this is my choice, and they'll be like, nope, someone's forcing you, we can't do this. Mm-hmm. So, Whatever. Um, new requirements for abortion clinics, inspection procedures of clinics, and a clinic's ability to advertise were implemented. Um, it was stated that Texas Department of Health had to assign each licensed abortion clinic a unique number. Clinics had to have this, uh, like, a, sorry, a unique number, and by when I say number, I mean phone number. These clinics need to have this number, and, oh, sorry, no, it's an ID number. Sorry, I'm reading this wrong. A unique ID number, and any advertising mirror materials, the clinics had to put this unique number on it and they also had to create a 1-800 toll-free number so that people could call up and check the status at any time of the clinic license to make sure they were still licensed the clinic has to pay for all of this on their own by the way of course um texas also passed a statute requiring prenatal notification as er- in the early 2000 or sorry parental notification in the early 2000s this law resulted in a 21 increase in 17 year old girls seeking abortions in the second trimester because they probably tried to hide it as far as they could and then right. when their parents found out they had to actually go do it in 2003 the legislature passed a law that required all abortions after 16 weeks to take place in an outpatient surgery center and required a 24-hour waiting period for women um, before they could get an abortion. So again, they had to follow the same law rules as like surgery centers, which is like they have to have be able to like move the beds through the hallways and stuff. Okay. But most clinics don't do surgical well, abortions. Well, no. But they still have to follow those laws. Clinics were also required to give women they quote women's right to know pamphlet, which includes factually incorrect medical information. So here is your right to know these factually incorrect facts. Mm-hmm. Um, other laws dealt with funding aspects of abortion and family planning, trying to prevent money from women's reproductive health going towards organizations that prevent, that provide information on abortions or provide like services for abortion. Um, materials given used graphic and inflammatory languages. In March 2012, 
Um, they, oh, by March 2012, they were one of the states that require having an ultrasound being performed before they have the procedery, and they are one of the ones that have mandatory transvaginal ultrasounds. Um, even if previous ultrasounds have indicated severe congenital defects, a woman seeking an abortion is still required to have another ultrasound done. Just to make sure. Mm-hmm. And then supporters of Texas Senate Bill 5, which includes requirements for abortion. Oh, sorry. Which requires abortion clinics to meet ambulatory and surgical center regulations. And that doctors have admitting privileges at the hospitals nearby is said to improve the health care of babies and women. Although opponents of the bill have stated that it creates unnecessary regulations, which sole purpose was just to reduce access to abortions. Um, this law went into effect in 2013. Oh, yeah. So when this law went into effect in 2013, only five of the 42 abortion clinics met these requirements. You walked away. I'm sorry. <laughs> Did I had you? to let the cat out. Oh. She was whining. So, yeah, this law came into place in 2013, and only five of the state's 42 abortion clinics met these requirements, like these surgical yeah. requirements. So everybody else got shut the fuck down? Basically, um, a federal district judge determined this law was unconstitutional, finding that the admitting privileges were like place an undue burden on a person seeking having an abortion because like it's very difficult for doctors to get abortion or to get admitting um, privileges. Right. Although the decision was reversed by the Fifth Court Circuit of Appeals, Fucking it's fifth always the court. fifth. Cor- it's the always the Fifth Court Circuit, resulting in. Are you okay? I'm good. Just we've been sitting in the same position a long time. I just need to move around. Um, so they reversed this, resulting in the immediate closure of all but seven clinics in the state. And there were there are attempts to criminalize abortion, with the general focus on the doctor. Texas State Representative Tony Tinderholt, Republican, introduced a bill in 2017 and 2019 that would enable the death penalty for women who have abortions. What the mm-hmm. fuck? Yep. So, Mr. Senator Tony Tinderholt wants to have the death penalty for if we want an abortion. So, he can go fuck himself. He can go fuck himself. And only himself. Yep. Don't get anybody pregnant. Nope. Um, in 2019, Texas has been... Texas has some of the most restrictive abortion laws in the country. And because of judicial readings, abortion is effectively banned after week 22. Um, June of this year... Governor Greg Abbott signed a new abortion legislation that is to go into effect in September. So it would have already gone into effect on September 1st. It says that local governments could not do business. Um, So, yeah, basically this legislation says local governments are not allowed to do business with any organization that provides abortion services, including offering tax breaks or leasing municipal-owned buildings to such organization it also prevents local governments from advocacy or lobbying on behalf of the interests of these abortion providers. So just limiting local government on free speech, basically. Um, in Utah, they also have the... Texas was the worst. We're, it's pretty quick okay. from here. Okay. <laughs> in Utah, they also had the law from the 50s that stated, like, any woman getting information or wanting an abortion was a criminal offense. Um, they also have the informed consent materials that state... Women who have abortions may have suicidal thoughts and experience post-abortion traumatic stress syndrome, which is still not a real thing. There is a bill in Utah from early 2018 to prohibit women from requesting their doctors 
um, oh, there's a bill in start that was proposed in 2018 that would just prohibit women from requesting an abortion if their child has Down syndrome, which I kind of agree with, but yeah. to each their own. To each their own. I wouldn't hate on someone for doing that, but I don't think I could abort my kid just because they have Down syndrome. They're really kind of cute. Yeah, like, the, yeah, because that's not like a fatal... No. Like, it does you mean can... you ha- you're going to have a lot of work, but like, so does having an autistic kid. So mm-hmm. does having a. F- I had ADHD and I was a difficult fucking kid, and there was a <laughs> lot of work my parents had to put into raising me. Like, any mental illness, just because this is genetically findable, does not mean it is any more difficult than any other mm-hmm. kind of disability. But whatever. So, yeah, they have a law banning that, or they had a law proposed to ban it. Um, in Vermont. They have a first trimester aspiration abortions. Oh, I think this is just saying that non, well, non-physician non people can do first trimester aspiration abortions and prescribe drugs for medical abortions, even though my notes don't make sense, but I'm pretty sure that's what I wrote. In early 2019, they passed Proposal 5, which is an amendment to the state constitution, which, and I quote, ensure that every Vermonter is afforded personal reproductive liberty. So before this amendment became into law, it still needs to pass the state legislative a second time and be voted on a ballot during the 2022 special election. Um, but Vermont's Republican Governor Phil Scott has promised not to veto this proposal when it gets across his desk. Wow. I mean, he could just be saying that. He but if he does follow through, that. that's impressive. Is it just the computer? Okay. I was like, are there fire trucks going by? Um, and as of May 2019, there is no law that clearly addressed abortion in the state's law with abortion rights clearly not defined. So I think it's legal, but it's very vague. Mm-hmm. In Virginia, as of May 2019, the state law banned abortion after 25 weeks, which is pretty average. Um, still on the shorter side, but still. University of Virginia has a council to approve abortion, which significantly reduced the numbers. It's one of those hospitals. I've, I I know there's a, there's others, but it's one of those ones where, like, if you apply for an abortion, you have to put your request in front of a council, and it's, like, super embarrassing. I've heard stories about these things. I bet. A bunch of fucking old white men standing there pelting you with personal questions. Yep. Um, in Washington, they also had the 1950s criminalization offense of just asking about abortion. Are you asking for one? Um, but it was made legal in 1970. Prior to that, it was illegal with exception of the therapeutic like mother's life at risk in 1971 a year after the state repealed its statute that said inducing an abortion was a criminal offense so they just did it all at once in 1970 they made it legal and in 1997 they made it not a criminal offense um they all but they also need to be a resident within 90 30 to 90 days of the state non-physicians are able to prescribe drugs for medical abortions and in august 2019 the state had a law Oh, again, in August 2018, due to the threat for, to Roe versus Wade, the state enacted a law to protect the right for abortion. Great. And as of February 2019, the state attorney general issued an opinion that there is a physician-only clause in the Washington state abortion law, but that it was unenforceable and that aspiration and medical abortion prior to viability was in the, with like within the scope of nurse practitioner and physician assist- assistants so basically he's saying like technically in the law nurse practitioners and physicians shouldn't be doing them but mm-hmm. it's like he thinks it's totally plausible based on their training and their ability to, for them to be able to do this mm-hmm. um, and again they have no late term unless reasons for abortion um, in West Virginia are you good? Yeah, I just heard a 
buzzing. We're almost there. I promise. We're in the W's, okay. guys. And I think the W's are the last one. Yeah. Um, in West Virginia, legislature passed the, quote, Women's Right to Know Act in 2002. The law required um, the medical professionals to read a counseling script to women seeking an abortion. <laughs> so they have a very specific thing they need to say. I don't know what it is, but apparently they have to say it. Which I feel would go something along the lines of, look, I have to say this to you. Please don't, like, everything else we talk about, sure, but I physically have to say this to you. Um, good. Counseling materials that say women who have abortions may be suicidal or they may experience post-abortion traumatic stress syndrome, which, again, is still not real. March 2015, there was, uh, override, they overrided the veto from gov- from the governor to pass a bill abandoning a, sorry, in March 2015, they overrided a bill, they overrided the veto of the governor to pass a bill for abortion. So basically, the, the, they proposed a bill for week 20 abortion, the governor vetoed it, and then they vetoed his veto, and now there is a law stating you can't get a bla- abortion after week 20. That was a very confusing way of me writing it, but that's basically what I'm trying to say. Okay. And in 2017, West Virginia passed a law trying to make it more difficult for minors to get an abortion because that makes sense yep they modified the they modified the existing law to remove a clause which allowed minors to get an abortion without parental consent um oh so before this law before 2017 minors could get an abortion without parental consent if they had a waiver signed by a psychiatrist or psychologist okay so they got rid of that okay and only legally permitted the minor to get an abortion without it um with a judicial waiver. So they had to, like, go through the system, basically. Mm-hmm. Which is probably much more difficult. I'm sure that probably takes about the time as the length of a pregnancy. Probably. In um, May 2019, the state banned abortion after week 22. In Wisconsin, in 1849, so real far back, the state legislature passed a law criminalization of criminalizing abortion, making it a felony. Um... <laughs> no matter the circumstances of her pregnancy. So just good times. And in 1950, they also had the criminal offense for asking about abortion. Um, They are one of the only two states, along with Georgia. Georgia and Wisconsin were two of the only states with written informed consent materials referring to women. Oh, so they refer them to crisis pregnancy centers. Um, But they fully acknowledge that these centers do not support or provide women with abortion-related services, which makes no sense to me, but that's fine. Just going to refer you when you want abortion to places that don't offer or give information on abortion, but that's fine. Makes sense. Um, Following the 2013 Wisconsin law requiring abortion providers to have admitting privileges at nearby hospitals, three Catholic hospitals in the state intended to deny admitting privileges to any doctor that provides abortions. Makes sense. Fucking Catholics. Uh, yep. But according to Wisconsin's attorney general, he said this was of this violated the church amendment of 1973, which prohibits hospitals receiving federal funding from discriminating against doctors based on whether the doctor provides abortions. Good. Whether that changed their opinion, I don't know, but he did say that. Sure, it didn't change their opinion, but it was stated. In mid-May 2019, the state banned abortion after week 22, as well as... And also in 2019, Governor Tony Evers vetoed a Republican-passed bill that would have limited abortion accents, which, thank you very much, I don't know if that made much of a difference, but thank you for doing that, Mr. Governor Tony Evers. 
He uh, also vetoed a bill that would sentence doctors to life in prison for failing to provide infants with medical care if they were born alive during a botched abortion attempt. Which... What? kind of botched abortion attempt? What? Yep. Okay. Well, because, like, sometimes their heart beats, their heart will beat after, but, like, that doesn't mean they're going to survive. No. Um... In 2019, the state had a legal 24-hour waiting period for women to get an abortion, which, again, I'm not, like, I'm not against on paper, but I know is not being used appropriately. And then last but not least, Wyoming. In 2017, there were medical facilities that perform abortions, but they did not make this... So, in Wyoming, in 2017, there are medical facilities that perform abortions, but they are not allowed to make it publicly available information that these facilities exist, and women could only find out if they were already existing facil- patients of these facilities. So it's like word of mouth. Yeah, basically. On the street. But it's like not advertised. It's not told to people. Like if you go to your doctor, they're not going to refer you to the clinic because you they know. You can't Google it. No. Okay. Yeah. Um, if again, you can't Google something, they basically don't exist. Yes. So, and again, they had the 1950 legislature that any woman asking for an abortion or having an abortion was a criminal offense. That's very common. I don't know how many times I need to repeat it, but this is the last time. (laughs) In July 1st, 2017, a law passed that prohibited the sale of fetal tissue, which I don't know why that's (laughs) fine. Why does that need to be? Oh, God. I don't know, but apparently they made a law that makes it illegal to sell the fetal. I think it was like... The stem cell research and stuff, maybe oh. they're against it. But I black market, who the fuck knows? Another law went into effect that also required abortion service providers. Um, oh, so they have a law that requires providers give women ultrasounds if they're seeking an abortion, but there's no enforcement component of it. Okay. So it's required, but it's not enforced. Okay. And again, they do no late term pre- um, abortions. So the reason that we are talking about it recently and mainly and why it's become a big fucking issue is because as of last year, Roe versus Wade is being threatened. So Roe versus Wade was a landmark decision in the U.S. Supreme Court in which the court ruled that the Constitution of the United States protects a pregnant woman's liberty to choose to have an abortion without excessive government restriction. So that's that what that's what was voted into existence in 1973 by the Supreme Court, which basically says up until about week 24 to 28, a woman's right to choose to have an abortion is a constitutional right. Mm-hmm. And slowly since then, everyone who's against it has been chipping away at it. On October 1st, the Supreme Court will meet to decide about whether they will hear a case that could leave little to any of this right standing basically would basically basically would basically i'm so sorry it would basically revert to before roe versus wade um for years justice anthony kennedy sorry anthony kennedy held the balance on the supreme court um as there was four opponents on the right and four opponents on the left so Mm -hmm. four people disagreed and four people agreed yeah that sounds right um but he retired last year i believe or the year before and was replaced by Justice Brett Kavanaugh. The fact that that motherfucker didn't hold out like friggin' sweet little old Ruth Bader Ginsburg is. Like, I bet she's older than that other motherfucker was. Yeah, 
But he might have been ill. Who knows what's going on with him? All right, fine. If he was ill, I apologize. If not, should have stayed on. Yeah. So, um, yes, he's replaced by Justice Brett Kavanaugh, which is bullshit, but that's fine. We, I, we won't get into that. Um, and he is ready to change that voting number. Um, just months after joining the Supreme Court, Kavanaugh wrote an opinion seeking to shrink abortion rights, which is great. Um, the decision undercutting abortion rights could come as soon as now, but it will probably wait until next June when they typically is when, which is when the Supreme Court typically hands down their highest profile decisions. Um, the targeted restrictions on abortion providers, which is these trap laws that I've been talking about and a lot of these laws in the states that we were talking about, is laws that specifically, they're, they're, that's this, the reason they're called trap laws is that there are laws masqueraded as efforts to make abortion safer, but real purpose is to drive up the cost of operating abortion clinics and, and basically until they shut down, which is why they are specifically targeted towards like private clinics mm-hmm. because like they just want to make private clinics can basically do whatever they want in the sense of like medical necessary and ethics and stuff Mm -hmm. um but if they make it too expensive for them to run no matter how much money a private clinic is making they won't be able to run exactly um many clinics just provide chemical slash medication abortions but the main requirement is that they need to be a surgery center which is ridiculous um and then one of the reasons why abortion providers struggle is because they are required to get admitting privileges, but it's actually very hard to do because complications are very rare. So the reasons they are told they need hospital admitting privileges is because that if something were to happen, you can rush your patient to the hospital and with admitting privileges, literally just sign them in and take them into the hospital and treat them. Mm -hmm. But because these cases are so rare, most hospitals have a condition for admitting privileges that you need to reach a certain number of admissions per year to keep your admission privileges. Okay. And they don't have enough complications Mm -hmm. to meet those limits, so they can't keep their privileges. So it's just like a lose-lose situation Mm -hmm. here. Um, So the case that they are kind of discussing, like the case that is going towards the Supreme Court, is a petition that is um, June Medical Services versus Gee, which is a case involving a Louisiana abortion restriction. The Fifth Circuit are good friends on the Fifth Circuit come back again so they held up um this law that is very similar sorry so there was this so basically texas and louisiana are both under the fifth circuit so all that stuff with texas it got rejected right Mm -hmm. but when it came to louisiana the fifth circuit for some reason upheld this law instead of rejecting it so the same appeal circuit rejected one and upheld the other one no i think they upheld the texas one but then the like um someone vetoed it in texas okay okay um and i think it hasn't fully been vetoed i think it's just been held instead of being passed so um so the reason they are upholding this law versus the texas law is that it is um contested factual claim i did just say they contested a factual claim but that's fine. I'm. That's not even a bad note. That's legit what is happening. Um, that it is probably easier for doctors to obtain admitting privileges in Louisiana than it is in Texas. That's the reasoning. Is that, yeah, maybe we're getting rejected in Texas, but, like, it's probably easier to do in Louisiana. Hmm. 
Yeah. I don't know how. Sure. There's they don't give any information as to how that's possible, but that's what they say. Logical. Um so in so there's different outcomes as to what the Supreme Court can do now that this has been brought to them. So first theory or outcome that could happen is that the Supreme Court could just decide that it's just like completely appalled by this, can't believe this is what the Fifth Court because basically what the Fifth Court is saying is they hundred percent disagree with what the Supreme Court has already said and they are just throwing it back in the Supreme Court's face saying, Fuck you, we're doing our own thing is is honestly basically what this this what is happening right now. So the Supreme Court could just be like, absolutely not. This is insane. You cannot do this. You are basically going back on what we agreed upon because there's there was another one that was whole woman's health that Supreme Court voted on, which is why Texas got like rejected. And the Fifth Circuit is basically bringing another thing to them, which is the exact same thing saying, nope, we're still doing it, whether you tell us we can't or not. Um, so the Supreme Court could just be like, absolutely not. This isn't okay. Um, so this is known as summary reversal, which just completely reverses everything the appeals court has done. Like, just doesn't hear anything, doesn't listen to them, is just like, absolutely not, this is not okay. Mm -hmm. To which most articles were like, if this is what you expect, you're going to be sorely disappointed. (laughs) So that's the best outcome. It's it's probably not going to happen, most likely. Um... The other... Sorry, I'm just trying to read my notes. The other one is what most people consider a most more likely outcome is that the Supreme Court could just decide not to hear the case at all and just be like, this isn't even worth our time. We've already, like, agreed on this. But if they don't hear it, the Fifth Court's rule, Appeals Court's ruling is what then gets upheld. Okay. Which is not great. No. So, um, yeah, so if they didn't listen, the Fifth Court Circuit's opinion would stand, and the stay to stop this abortion anti-law would lift, and this law would take effect, which basically then just tells any judge in any appeals circuit that if they are against abortion, the Supreme Court is not going to fucking stop them, Mm -hmm. Um, which basically turns, like, the Roe versus Wade and the whole woman's health appeal would just basically like they'd exist but they wouldn't be enforced they would Mm -hmm. be considered optional so like there's like it wouldn't matter so the other issue with this is that a lot of the appeal circuits have become more republican since trump came into power as he's like the president is who assigns the appeals judges Mm -hmm. so they have become more republican which is a bit of an issue and i'm not saying all republicans like there was a lot of articles about how um even Republicans who are against abortion are against this certain case being brought in front of the Supreme Court because the Supreme Court has basically voted twice on this and ruled in the exact same way twice. And for another, basically the exact same fucking appeals court to come forward again and be like, can you rule on this again? Because you're still not agreeing with us. Like, a lot of Republicans are really offended and, like, this is... Basically, they're just saying, like, this is not how our government fucking works. Like, this is not how... Like, we... Like, we are an independent country, we have the Constitution, we have our laws, and we have our government for a fucking reason. Mm -hmm. And, like, they are anti-abortion, but they are not for what is happening with the Supreme Court right now. Like, Mm -hmm. they are standing with the Democrats and and stuff like that. There was literally a story about how a Republican on the floor walked over to stand with his Democrat, like, 
co-workers because he was just so against what's happening with the Supreme Court right now, which is great, and that makes me really happy inside. Because mm-hmm. no matter what you believe, you can still be friends. That's right. And, like, it's true. Like, the government exists as shitty as it is. Like, they exist for a reason, and the fact that this is being brought forward again, even though it's been voted on twice by the Supreme Court, is fucking ridiculous. Yeah, like, they just waited until they got, like, their numbers swayed And then in their brought it again, even yeah. though, like... But, like, that's the thing, is, like, it's not like it's a different... Like, it's not like it's something slightly different. Mm-hmm. The case that's being brought forward, although it's from a different state, is almost identical to the one that's being that got brought forward in Texas. Mm-hmm. Like, the requirements on abortion, the requirements on these things, it's almost all identical. So a lot of people are like, why are we voting on this again? Mm-hmm. As it only takes four votes on the Supreme Court to place like to schedule a case to be part of the argument calendar of the supreme court so basically how the supreme court works is they present a case they vote to like it's like a general overview and then they vote to decide whether they will vote on it Mm -hmm. versus like they can either agree then and be like nope this is stupid we agree to that like you're not allowed to do this or we agree that you are allowed to do this but like they vote whether they're allowed they're going to hear it later Mm -hmm. in the year um, and it only takes four votes, and I think there's like eight or nine of them. So, and four, they're thinking that the four Democrats want to vote this in so that they 100% can stand and be like this, like, third time's the fucking charm. Will you goddamn listen to us? And then the four Republicans want to vote it in to be like, look at us, we're going to beat you out fucking finally. Mm-hmm. So they're very certain that at least four votes to pass this into the argument calendar will happen. Um, and that they will cut, like, the. Uh, announcements will come in June. And in 2017, President Trump reinstated and expanded a policy that is called the, and I quote, global gag rule. This rule states that any overseas organization which receives U.S. global health funding cannot even mention abortion as part of their counseling or education programs, even if the money for these particular programs does not come from the U.S. What? So, like, if... The U.S. sends money overseas to an organization, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's specifically health funding, and they use that money towards cancer. I don't fucking know. Like, something mm-hmm. random. If part of their organization is about abortion counseling, mm-hmm. even if the funding is not going towards that section of their foundation, you're not allowed to get U.S. funding. Right. So, again, Donald Trump really likes his I'm gonna pay you money to do what I want bullshit. Yeah. And last but not least, um, an independent poll released in January 2019 found that two-thirds of Americans think abortion should be legal in all or most cases, and 73% are opposed to overturning Roe versus Wade, which a lot of people are pointing out means that these government officials are just doing their own fucking thing, when in all honesty, they are voted in to represent the general public, and if this is the general public's vote, why are government officials not following this? Agree. And I'm pretty sure the percentage of people, like, that percentage is also accurate. Like, the 73% is, or, like, 60%. It's same with Canada, where, like, it's around 75% of people believe that abortion should be accessible. But it's, yeah, it's, like, 60-something percent of people think it should be accessible, but wouldn't even do it themselves. So, like, majority of people wouldn't actually even get abortions. They just want it accessible for the people that need them. Yeah. Like, you, you do not have to agree that you would do it yourself to be like, yeah, that woman should have the right to choose to do it. But, that, like, that's what I don't understand. Like, and that's why I'm 100% going to start calling it anti-choice. But, like, 
we're just asking for the right to make a choice. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think I could get an abortion unless, like, obviously there was, like, a birth defect that, like, my baby would, like, that would save me from becoming ill or that my baby would come out, like, suffering or anything. Mm-hmm. But, like, that doesn't mean I'm not going to, like, say that women can't do it. You are more, like, medical freedom here, people. Like, it is your fucking body. Oh, I read the best article. I know it's really late and I promise I'll shut up soon. <laughs> but I read an article that one of the reasons they think there's an issue in, like, this basically they said there was like this disconnect is because a lot of like and it is changing there's a lot of really awesome like female politicians out there now but still majority of politicians are men mm-hmm. and there's a real big disconnect of um men to abortion because they don't have the same consequences as women no they don't no, I read an article, it was like, it was like a series of tweets. It was like, every single unwanted pregnancy is caused by men. But that's the thing, like, it takes two to make a baby, so if women are getting, like, imprisoned for getting an abortion, then if a man agreed with her to get the abortion, he should also be imprisoned. And then there was, like, another one that said, it, um, there are laws, like, in Louisiana and stuff that state any person who, um... Like, it's like if they make the choice to commit undue harm to a person, they get arrested. It's like, well, then men should get arrested for coming inside women, not wearing a condom without the, with the disregard of whether she wanted that baby or not. That's fucking right. And like, they just gave all these examples and they, and like, she's like, do these sound ridiculous? Because most people would agree these sound ridiculous, but then almost the exact same laws are there for women and nobody thinks it's ridiculous for women to get in trouble for these laws. It's like women need to, or men need to like cut through that, like disconnect and realize that like if the tables were turned or even equal and they were also getting like these like um if they were getting like imprisoned and fined and like these issues were happening like if they could get arrested for abandoning uh, like because men can just leave and not have any like Mm -hmm. responsibility for men like what if they got arrested because they abandoned their child yeah exactly like which they fucking don't and it wasn't like trying to like guilt men to say like you should feel shitty that you have this like freedom to women it's just saying that like you need to like you need to understand the freedom that you have and relate it back to like basically be empathetic to what women go through and to just understand like what's going on so I, and it was written very well um maybe i'll post it but it was it was like a really good article of like men are also involved in making a baby there so therefore they should be involved in the consequences and the positives of creating aborting and raising like whatever whatever options you and your partner decide you need to be part of it and you need to be just as guilty in whatever the consequences are good or bad of having this baby Mm -hmm. and i thought it was really well written because it didn't like make like it had in no way made men feel bad for you know their ability to just up and leave or the fact that they don't have to carry a baby and stuff like that but it also just like drove home the fact that they need to think of it like how women think about it because it's really important and a lot of the lawmakers in this world are men mm-hmm. and it was just very good and i'll probably post it because it was a very good read and it's not very long and i thought it was written by michelle obama but it was michelle Ob- O'Baron or something like that and i was like <laughs> michelle obama and then i was like oh no i'm wrong it's oh fine. well seemed like something she would write too but it's fine yeah no i definitely like to read that um we're at three hours this is gonna be a fucking bitch to edit i'm so sorry i told you it was a long one i don't know why i chose this topic (laughs) (laughs) i'd just like to add that um rachel green said it best 
no uterus, no opinion. There was a whole section on, like, and I, it, there wasn't a whole lot of info, but there's a lot of these laws that, like, abortion is legal, but there's not enough support for trans pregnancies mm, and stuff like yeah. that. And there's a lot of discrimination for, like, LGBTQ plus pregnancies mm-hmm. and, like, um, in, like, pregnant people and stuff like that. And that a lot of stuff is specifically made towards cis women. Mm-hmm. So I, I did not touch on that, and I'm sorry, but the story was already so effing long. But just that information is out there, and it is very limited, and I feel really bad about that. But there's people trying to change that. And no matter what you are, if you are pregnant, I hope you find the support you need. Yes. So, yes. We're really tired. It's really late. It's 11 o'clock. I want to go to bed because I just found out I work at 10.30 instead of 5 p.m. And the Skytrans weren't working tomorrow, so I need to figure out how the fuck I'm getting to work. Yeah. Are the Skytrans still working now? Yeah. Okay. They finish at 1 and then they won't run again. Okay. All right. All right. Follow us at the Tipsy Tea Podcast on Instagram. Email us at the Tipsy Tea Podcast at gmail.com if you have any ideas. We're really tired, so we're going to leave now. Okay, bye. Bye.